Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 350 of The Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Ah, uh, yes, the silly season is here. With right, Santa's right around the corner. Uh, yeah. Oh, I took Thursday off and, uh, yeah, I, I was going to do some Christmas shopping. Here we go, some Christmas shopping. And, uh, yeah, I, I went through two malls and a bunch of other stores and ended up buying like one and a half total gifts. And I think I'm more lost now than when I started. And I'm, I'm running out of time. We got a week, right? So, um, yeah. <laughs> right to the last minute every day. Every year I always swear. You know, oh, I'm just going to buy a whole bunch of stuff on Amazon early on and I'll get it done. And that way I don't have to worry about anything. And now uh, here we are on the 18th. You know, that last week before before Christmas, it's the same all the time. So, yeah, without fail. Here we are. Um, you know, but yeah, it's uh, just been a real, you know, and I and I apologize because I haven't done this. Sh- when was the last? Well, Sunday, I guess, was my last, or last Saturday. When the hell did I release it? Friday or something. Yeah, so it's been over a week. Um, so I apologize for the delay. Yeah, it's just the time of year. Uh, got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, uh, transitioning into a new job. Um, in a, you know, um, in a different department. Uh, so that uh, my 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 fill-in or my uh, the, the man who's replacing me starts tomorrow in my department. I have to train him. Um, so that happens for, you know, a week and a little bit here, you know, and they got holidays and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, so that's going to happen here for hopefully he, uh, I've heard, I've heard good things about the guy. So I don't know him. I've never met him. Um, but apparently he's all right. So that'll be all right. So, um, I'm not really gung ho on training people, but, uh, what can you do? Um, but leave it better than when you found it. Right. So, um, you know, and then in the in the new year, I start in my new department. So, and that's you know, 
you're not going to lie, you know, you got anxiety and nerves because it's been 15 years at this job. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. It's a different position, supervisor position. So, uh, you know, obviously there's more, um, um, responsibility and that type of thing. So, uh, you know, and, and now you're, you know, you're, well, you're supervising people, right? So, um, you know, whereas before I was just like kind of on my own and, um, you know, the one man band, right? And, uh, so, uh, it'll be different. And, um, but I'm looking forward to the challenge and, uh, we'll see how it goes. So, um, with that, uh, my schedule changes. So I'm not sure in terms of the show, I mean, well, it's not like I'm working nights or anything, but I know my shifts are longer, but I will actually get days off. What are those? Um, yeah, so I will have time off. So, um, I, you know, my recording schedule might be, might be a little altered. Um, but yeah, you know, so, but we'll see. But like I said, we'll, uh, I know the last little bit here, the show has been kind of sporadic. I know I always had my Wednesday, Sunday, you got to set your watch by it, but probably about the last six months, it's kind of changed a little bit. So just the amount of work has been ridiculous and, uh, you know, um, so, but anyway, hopefully get back in the groove here in terms of a regular, like, although I still think I've been pretty good, but I mean, like I said, last little while has been kind of hit and miss, but, um, you know, but I haven't left you with weeks and weeks and weeks without anything. Although some might, hopefully I take weeks and weeks off, take two weeks off and quit. But, uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes here with the, with the new schedule and stuff. They haven't even really told me my schedule. So, um, and I know they're changing the hours up and stuff. And so, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll see how it goes, but, uh, but looking forward to it. Anxiety, nervous and, you know, but it's, it's, it's good. So, you know, we'll see. But, um, yeah. How are you guys doing? We're back at it here. Um, I had a special guest today. Uh, Steve is back on the show. Um, and it was, it was interesting because Steve got a hold of me and said, you know, he'd been listening to some stuff and, uh, he wanted to talk about Gordy Howe. And he had heard Joe and I talk about the myths of Gordy Howe and that type of thing. And Steve is a history major to begin with. We'll put it, we'll start there. Uh, but he is big hockey fights guy and, and was going back on newspapers.com and really dug in to, and he's from the Michigan area. Uh, so he really dug into Gordy Howe. Like, let's get to the bottom of this, right? Cause there is, and I've been obviously talked about, like there, I think might've been some revisionist history and, uh, and stuff like that. And some liberties taken with some facts, but, uh, but Steve got to the bottom of it and and did his research and uh, and he brings it to the podcast here and I uh, I am suitably chastened so uh, but no it's great and uh, he kind of uh, he wanted to come on and and uh, talk about his findings and it's uh, you know from a hockey fight historian's uh, point of view it, um, it, it was great and I I loved it I mean I enjoyed uh, you know getting, uh, being, in, uh, or learning some more information about it. And, um, yeah, no, it's great. And I mean, and, and like always, right. The conversation kind of goes all over the place. So we end up talking about tons of people, but, uh, and we talked for a long time, about an hour and a half, I think. So, which I think was going to turn out to be like a half. It's like everything. Oh, it's, oh, we'll do about a half an hour. Oh, okay. You know, an hour and a half later, we're still going. Um, but, uh, no, it was great. And I, I, uh, I want to thank Steve again for coming on. It was tremendous. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and like I said, anytime you can, um, 
you can you can bring up the history and highlight that of uh, uh, of of the of the sport and um, and the and the fighting aspect of the sport. Um, and we make mention of it uh, in the interview when we're talking. But you know, for all your your Ryan Reeves and you know, they go back your Proberts and your Twists and Barubis, um, you know, they stand on the shoulders of you know, Kinderchuk and Joe Hall and Sprague Clayhorn and, you know, and Noel Picard and Bow Gassoff and all those guys. I mean, you can't have one without the other, right? And everything comes before them. And um, so I think history is really important. And um, yeah, so we, we, we delve into all of that, this, this talk. So a lot of fun, but uh, like I said, so, and Joe and I, or uh, Joe, uh, Steve and I talked for a long time. So I'm going to keep this intro. I actually had a bunch of stuff written out, but I'm going to keep it short. Um, you know, um, you know, other than, uh, you know, basically I'll just talk, obviously I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network, 100 shows in the network. I'm on the original content side along with uh, Jolt and Joe Lazito. Oh, did you see that? Old Searson there from the UK brings his family over from Nottingham, goes acro- comes across the pond, lands in New York, and oh, he ends up running into Lazito. I said, well, you took a wrong turn somewhere because I, I don't know, you know, you didn't want to end up in that area. Holy... You know, I told him when you talk, got your picture taken, I mean, you know, you better sit on your wallet. Uh, Jesus, you know, you're noticing all this plight, kids, you know, so, but no, he uh, looked like they had a great time in New York. That's the I've never been to New York. I'd like to go. Um, but he, they looked like they had a great time and, uh, and he, I know he's back home now and it's his birthday today, actually. So happy birthday, John. I know he's been on this show a bunch of times and. And always been a, a real solid supporter of the show, which I appreciate. And uh, uh, over the years, John and I go back and forth, yeah, and, and uh, I always enjoy our conversation. So, but uh, but Joel, Joel Azito of Coliseum Chronicles fame, um, yeah. So he's out hobnobbing instead of instead of doing shows. Joe Joe's out taking in the nightlife and and disturbing people. So, but uh, check out his back catalog, Coliseum Chronicles. Vakota, Asham, Ewan, Strudwig, on and on. Um, I know he's, he's working on a real big interview right now that, uh, for, for hardcore enforcer fans, this guy's a minor league legend and you guys are going to dig it because I think it's his only interview he's done. So it'll be a good one. And then, of course, we've got Alec over there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, I know he's been, uh, you know, kind of battling health issues and, and work issues and, and a, you know, just time. You know, the thing we're all fighting, time. And, uh, but, uh, so he, he, I know he's making efforts to, um, uh, you know, get more episodes out and that sort of thing. Um, speaking of, I mean, I'm, I'm tech, I, we're planning, he and I, and, and Jay from Iowa, look at this, I'm, I'm really selling this episode, this coming up episode. Uh, we are going to sit down tomorrow, hopefully, uh, the three of us. And, uh, we are going to, it's going to kind of, instead of the state of the union, it's going to be the state of the miners and where are we at, at the, basically not the halfway, but the quarter pole mark, uh, in the Southern pro league and the East coast league. And, you know, just some general who's surprising you and who's been letting you down and, uh, and, and that type of thing. And I on the miners, if you will. So I hope you guys will tune, tune in for that. But, um, yeah. And if you happen to be on the YouTube's fourth line voice on YouTube, I have over 2,000 videos. Subscribe to the channel, please. If you like what you see, hit the like button because um, that helps out in the algorithms. Um, same whatever, if you listen to my show, Joe's show, Alex's show, whatever podcast you listen to on whatever platform, iTunes or Spotify, 
um, hit the star rating. And uh, again, that helps out us in the algorithms and download, don't stream, please. That's how we get paid. As I always say, it's the little thing. It's a couple little minor things that you, the listeners, can do that uh, greatly helps out a content creator. And the, and those are a few of the things. So if you guys could do that, I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, other than that, we should probably kind of probably get into this episode. I was going to talk about the, um, um, you know, the Larkin thing and all that, but it's kind of like, yeah. No, the only one I will talk about is, um, um, I, I, I guess I have to kind of mention this Jordan Cairo interview where he starts crying. Um, wow. Um, now, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to sit here and bang the desk and be a man, suck it up, man. Um, no, but at the same time, um, well, for those that don't know, if you're listening, um, he plays for the St. Louis Blues. And, of course, the St. Louis Blues earlier this week uh, fired coach Craig Berube. Well, Berube and Cairo, who is their highest paid player, um, apparently did not really see eye to eye this year and, uh, you know, having some problems. And Anyway, Berube gets fired. And later on that day, Cairo kind of throws a shot. Somebody asks him about it. And he's like, oh, I have no comment. He's not my coach anymore. And... Eh, you know, whatever, and it got taken out of, con- like, they were basically, like, you know, he was pissing on the guy while he was down, right? So, that night, um, in St. Louis, every time, basically, that Kyrie was on the ice, they booed him. Eh, you know, okay. Uh, anyway, so, after the game, they're interviewing him in the locker room, and he starts crying. And, oh, it's been so hard, and all this, and it's like, okay, so, of course, social media blows up, and of course, everybody, it's so great that, you know, men can cry and show their feeling and all this stuff. And you get that. And then you get the other ones, you know, oh, you're a bitch and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's very polarizing. You know, you get both sides of the argument. Um, I, I just found the whole thing, you know, just kind of, what are you doing? Like just, uh, well, and then, so I kind of mentioned it on, on social media. I'm like, cause somebody said, well, they're booing him because of the comments about, he made about Peruvian Peruvian was a loved coach by the fans and whatever. I'm like, well, maybe, or I'm just spitballing here, but this is just me. Um, maybe they're kind of giving it to him because he has signed an $8 million contract and he's got five fucking goals this year. Uh, you know, and apparently does not go into corners and his play has been fairly inconsistent and wishy-washy all year. This is not me saying this because I don't watch this shit, but I trusted St. Louis Blues ex-players who uh, watch it and uh, they commented on that and that's what they were talking about. So I will trust their opinions uh, over, you know, Blues fan uh, 72 online. Um, so... So not only do you have your highest paid guy and you only have five goals this year and, uh, you know, you spray snow in the corners and, yeah, well, your, your, part, your shit play got Berube fired. I mean, it's a group effort, but I mean, when you're the highest paid guy and blah, 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 you know, you're the guy that got, they kind of look towards to maybe lead, to lead the crew here and you have five whole goals this year. Um, so, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> So, and then to top it off, your shit play, then you decide to shit talk the guy on the way out the door. So that's why you got booed. Um, and then to stand there and cry about it, eh, 
So I kind of mentioned this on social media and somebody said to me like, well, how would you like to go to work and have people yell at you and call you shitty? I said, dude, I'm a government worker. I hear that daily. Are you talking, are you kidding? I get told constantly how overpaid I am and useless and everything else from the public. And, uh, I've, I, well, and management telling us we're not getting any money and, and everything else. I don't come home and, and, and cry and shed tears to my wife while I'm telling somebody down on Broadway yelled at me today that, uh, they pay my salary and I'm a sack of shit. Like, um, you know, so, you know, and old Cairo here, uh, you know, he, he's got a few more, few more zeros on his paycheck than I do. So, uh, you know, if they want to, you know, I take the slings and arrows for a fraction of what this cat makes. So, um, no, but the, the thing that I found just ironic and funny about the whole thing is these people that are commenting online, of course, it's all these blues fans, these little Cairo fangirls and boys, um, Oh, he's human and people don't do, you know, this is the problem with society and blah, blah, blah. Or I laugh because when you go on their, on their social media feed and you start scrolling it, oh, they shit talk every ref, umpire, uh, they tweet at George Perils, you must have CTE, you dumb fuck, nice suspend. Like you say, well, is it George human? Like, we all make mistakes. You know, this was your big thing. You're like, but oh, Gary Bettman's a piece of shit. Anybody disagrees with you, fuck you. And oh, okay. Like, so uh, yeah, but all of a sudden it's like, well, we should be sympathetic to our fellow man and his plight and everything else. But, you know, unless they, you know, unless that penalty goes against the Blues, then oh, we wish hateful shit on this person, uh, which I, I, I found just the hypocrisy of it all was eye rolling, but that's social media in a nutshell. But, um, yeah, it's just the whole thing. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I know I get on this show and for you, you know, I've called the game soft and the players soft and everything else. Um, that, uh, you know, that doesn't get much more, uh, I don't even, I, I don't even know what to say. Well, when a guy starts, and again, it wasn't like they were throwing batteries and and empty or uh, full beer cans at him or anything. Like they booed him. That was that was it. Like he didn't get hit with, you know, uh, car battery or anything. Like so, eh, you know, really, eh, I yeah. So there's that. Um, Oh, I will say some some breaking news that came out today from the Talking Trash podcast, which is uh, AJ Galante and uh, Daniel Amesbury's podcast that they have just started up. They're about five episodes in now. Um, they had a, an announcement today AJ made. Um, of course, AJ was famous for Ice Wars, um, but he and Charlie Nama and a couple of the people uh, that, you know, created Ice Wars, had a had a falling out, and they separated. And Charlie and them took the name Ice Wars and went on with it. And, of course, had Ice Wars 3 in Wyoming uh, a few months back, um, which AJ and, and, and Amesbury were not a part of. Uh, but in the meantime, they have uh, they have been behind the scenes, I guess, and putting plans together. And today they announced that uh, they're going to they're gonna bring it back and, and start their own hockey fight tournament again or hockey fight pay-per-view type event and it is called major league hockey fights and uh 
the MLHF and, uh, it's going to be, and he, they did say it was going to be on ice and, uh, they are looking. They're already said, uh, in the comment sections or get a hold of them on social media. If you're, if you want to take part and, and throw down, uh, let them know. And, uh, and if you have a city in mind, let them know. And, uh, you know, they've got some backers and, uh, in 2024, this is going to happen. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, and at the same time, if ice wars is going to continue, I'm going to support that as well. I mean, I have nothing against. I don't know what happened with AJ and Charlie and all that stuff, and it's none of my business, and I'm staying out of it. Um, but, uh, you know, if Ice Wars is going to continue, um, I will support that wholeheartedly as well, as well as this. I mean, you know, there's there's lots of different, you know, competition out there. There's all, Competition's always good. And if we're, if we're going to have two kind of companies doing this stuff, I'm a fight fan, man. I'm down with it. So that's all cool with me. But, uh no, I'm glad uh, AJ and Amesbury are back at it, um, and I, I wish them the best in this venture. And uh, and I told AJ a text. He sent me a text today and kind of said, "Oh, you better watch the podcast tonight or uh, listen to the podcast today because there's there's something in there for you." Because he and I had been talking earlier a couple a uh, couple days ago about ice wars and stuff and uh, how I had wished uh, he was still involved, etc. So um so yeah, I was pumped with the event, so I got a hold of AJ, I got him back and just said, Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, you know, anything I can do to promote it my own little way, I will certainly do so. And uh I'm hoping to have AJ on on the show here in the new year and uh you know he could shed some more light on it. So but uh so there you go for twenty twenty four. Major league hockey fights uh is coming. So uh looking forward to see what that brings. So um other than that guys, um Oh, I was gonna talk about Gerbranson and all that, and eh, but you know, whatever. What 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 more there? What what more needs to be said? Um, that is why you can't enforce it. That's why the players can't police the game anymore, and that's why there's no enforcers. So we'll leave it at that. But uh, anyway, enough of my yap, and I've already gone for 20 minutes here. So how about we get into my conversation with Steve here? And uh, like I said, it's uh, it's a great history lesson, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, again, folks, I, with the holiday season and everything else, um, I'm really, you know, I know everyone's busy. So um, I don't know what's going to happen here in terms of in the next couple weeks. In ter- like, I'll still do some shows. Obviously, I'm not going to just go radio silence for weeks and weeks, but, uh, there might be a little, little wrench thrown in here and there, but, uh, I will, I will definitely be coming back hopefully on, on Wednesday or Thursday here with Alec and Jay, and we'll talk about some minor league fights and everything. And then, uh, you know, I've talked to a few players and stuff and, uh, hopefully we could set something up here and, um, you know, for the next little bit, but I will make the promise in 2024 when I get the new job, um, and the new schedule, and I will, and then like I said, I will actually have days off, and I won't be all over the place, um, then I can, we can get back to a normal functioning, uh, regular rotations, and, and schedule, and we can, and we'll get rolling with things, but, uh, so bear with me in the meantime, but, uh, nonetheless, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, as always, I know there's hundreds of podcasts to listen to, like I always say, and and I truly mean it. The fact that uh, that you chose to listen to this, I greatly appreciate it, and I'm humbled, and I, and I really want to thank you. And uh, if you're on social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, get a hold of me, Fourth Line Voice, and uh, my DMs are open, as the kids say. Drop me a line. Um, and, and if you're not on social media, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you, good, bad, or otherwise. 
If you have a show idea, you want to come on the show, get a hold of me like Steve did, and here we are. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. So, all right, let's get into this, folks. Thanks, everybody, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you Wednesday. And now here's a word from our sponsor. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's Connor Bedard who's going to keep it up here in the new year as we head into the Christmas season. Connor McDavid and the Oilers are starting to heat up here at the quarter pole mark. We'll see what happens here in the new year. But download the app now and use code THPN. New customers get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, here on the fourth line voice, we have a returning guest. He, uh, when I first had this gentleman on, he was on and he did the uh, 10 rapid fire. And, uh, now he's back. He, uh, S- Steve is on the line. Steve, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Well, thank you. Well, I was about to say, um, you actually got a hold of me on this one and said, Hey, I want to come on and I want to talk about this Gordie Howe and this myth. Or the myths around Gordy, and I mean, uh, you know, we've kind of uh, been talking about it here before we got going. But uh, you, you've uh, you've got some information, and uh, uh, like I said, I've uh, to be completely honest. Before I'll let you get going here, but uh, I've actually been one of the guys that's been fairly critical of Gordy Howe over the years, sure. and uh, yeah, not I that do. I was ever saying Gordy was the shits or anything like that. No, I said my no. whole my gripe with. Not so much with, obviously not with Gordie Howe, but with more of the fandom around him. Yeah. Is anytime you mention Gordy, the only thing anybody can ever yell about is Fontenotto, and that's that's about it. It's like, well, it's kind of like similar to my, my issue with Robinson, Larry Robinson. Everybody just yells about sure. the Schultz yeah. fight. Yep. And I'm like, okay. Yep. And I said, <laughs> I've often said, I think people, and this is just me talking, this is just my opinion on it. I said, I think some people... It seems that superstar players or Hall of Fame players, I somehow think if their fighting ability gets greatly exaggerated because of how yeah. good of a player they are. Now, Absolutely. I'm not, and again, I'm not saying they weren't tough. They certainly were. But it's like, yeah. oh, Bobby Orr, oh, he kicked that. Nobody wanted to fight him. Well, right. people that fought regularly <laughs> right, were not right. afraid of Bobby Orr. Like, but it's like right. for exactly. a Hall of Fame exactly. player, he would stick up yep. for himself, and that's all it is. But people build sure. this up like, oh, he was right up there with O'Reilly and Winsick, you know? And it's like, well, no. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Just a tear on the ice. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, no. We talked but... a little bit about that in that there's almost some geographic or some regional specialties like that. Like, you know, Nick Fotu is a legend in New York. And then, like you said, Larry Robinson, Messier sort of gets that same treatment. 
Yeah, uh, Messier is at the far end of the spectrum because uh, outside of the aforementioned, I don't think Messier was really much of a fighter at no, all. No, but um, yeah, yeah. So these guys, and you're right. The, the the bone to pick is more with the uh, like Stan Jonathan. My man never lost a fight. You're like, well, I actually, you know, he did. And, and you get tired of that uh, that just that chorus of kind of uninformed people who don't know what's going on. So yeah, I, I I'm always curious when I when I hear people talk about the myth of Gordy Howe, and I think uh, what a, one of the things I was interested in coming on here was to talk about sort of the myth of the myth of Gordy Howe. Yeah. And you and I started to talk a little bit about that, and I went into this and was was just telling you that one of the things that was great for me was I I was uh, as a young as a teenager, I was I saw Bob Probert get knocked out by Todd Ewan in, in real time. Or, or get floored by 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 Tati, and I'm not even going to get into that whole mess. But and you know, and it was kind of like the uh, I gave up this fantasy that nobody ever got knocked down or knocked out, like that there was some unbeatable person. So, having said that, I've always kind of you know that on any given night these guys can all have their moment. So I, I'm looking at these Gordy at uh, at Gordy Howe too, and I I think he's fantastic. Like I, I I'm always throwing his name in for go. I think he, you could put up the the reason why. And I think that there's that component that comes up where kind of uninformed people are like, well, plus he's the toughest guy ever, you know, the toughest guy ever. And you said, like you mentioned, Fontanato gets thrown in quite a bit. And so that's one that always kind of comes It never really seems to go beyond there. And so you and I were just talking about, you know, you can get online and take a look, and it's not hard to find places that sort of source out or talk a little bit about Gordie Howe. And especially there's one place in particular where you can look where they talk about uh, Gordy Howe, and you know, was he a great player? Yes. Was he hockey's toughest player? No. Was he, or what? You know, he was tough. Yeah, but he was not hockey's top fighter. And this gentleman, and I'm not sure who it is who did the research, but he went through, and he talk, starts to talk about all 22 of Gordy's fights in his 2,500 games, and he lays them all out here. And it's a great, it's a great resource, and it's where I started looking many years ago too. Um, and what I started, when I really started to look kind of more recently and dig in, there were some things that I thought were kind of flawed about this thing. And this is a list I think that we all, whenever I hear the criticism about Gordie Howe and the myth, you, you named a couple of them. One is that you just get tired of the pissing matches. You get tired of hearing about the guy never lost, Fontanato, um, that sort of thing. And, and then you hear some of the same names kind of come up. And Nicky got hold of him, you know, that uh, Larry, big Larry Cahan got hold of him, tossed him around, cut him. He, he bloodied him, you know, and, and that uh, Fern Flamin also, Fern Flamin, who, you know, a legit badass. These guys, they're all legitimately tough. In an era of incredibly tough guys, these guys are all, all tough. Um, so, you know, you read that, and I hear that. I often hear that. There's a few people online who just, that's like a chorus. I hear that every time I'll post something about, about Gordy Howe, I almost feel like I should also have a trigger warning that, so these cats can throw in on their 10 cents and throw the same names in there. Well, you start to look, and you can, and, you know, there's a couple things about this list that just pop off to me kind of right away. And one is, you know, it was written in 2012. This, this list that we all kind of look at as like the, the Bible of, of Gordy Howe hockey fights is going on, you know, 11, 12 years old. In 2012, you didn't even really have access to box scores in the early 40s. Like that wasn't even something that people had, that mainstream people had access to. So one of my issues was this, uh, you know, Gordy Howe, here's all 22 of his fights. And people automatically say, well, you know, 22 fights, that's not even one a year. And admittedly, it's not. This is also in an era when the top fight getter, Fern Flamin, some of these guys, they're getting five or six fights a year, seven or eight fights a year. It's not until 
Pax Stahl and Wagner in the late 60s, late 60s, early 70s, that anybody even officially breaks double digits in a single season for fights, you know? But so you hear that number two, only 22 fights. Well, one of the things that I think is fascinating as I kind of went back and looked is these guys, you're talking about an era, you know, from the late 40s, 1946, where the roster size is 14. So if you're taking a guy off the ice for five minutes in 1946 and you're going to have some legendary coach, whomever that is, from one of those original six franchises in your ear, you're taking that guy off the ice for five minutes? You and I know anybody that looks at that era. I mean, the old joke used to be, you know, spearing is two minutes. And the, but if you see it come out the other side, it's five minutes. You know, like that, yeah. old, that was the choke in the, in the original 60s. Like you had to literally kill somebody on the ice to get some kind of penalty like that. So what I started to find as I was looking, and you don't even have to look at Gordy Howe. You can find this in other times. Like you'd find fights where they'd go at it, but it would be quick, and they'd hit the ice. And now they're giving them five minutes. 70s or 80s are probably giving them five minutes. Not in 1946, not in 1950. You know, and you can also, you can also, there's also places where you can look and they'll say, like, if it's a quick fight, if this guy gets knocked out, nobody's, not, these refs aren't looking to embarrass anybody. Like, hey, take your two minutes in the box and come back out and do it again, whatever it is. Nobody's sitting in the box for five minutes after getting one punched out. You know, they're just, they're just not. So I think you got to take a couple of things that you can tell, like this, this list is compiled 11, 12 years ago. You don't have access to box scores. There's all sorts of stuff. You know, Gordy's dad is talking about how uh, they're listening to him on the radio and he gets in his fights in his first 10 games. Well, that's a little bit more. That's mythology. You know, that's not really happening. But I'm sure he's out there roughing it up because he's, he's breaking ankles uh, in front of the net on defense. He doesn't want to go back to Florida, Saskatchewan, you know, and he's not. He's a teenager. But I, mean, I think... You know, you can't just say, like, he only had 22 fights because you can look and you can find references where there were fights, where he did have more fights. And so they're not noteworthy, but he did. And I think the next thing is, like, the Fontanato fight. And, yeah, that's legit. I think there's there's two things that I think are, are kind of problematic with that. And one is that this, this diminishes the reputation of Lou Fontanato, who was a really rugged defenseman. And really, I mean, he was setting 10-minute records. And he was legit. He was fighting the Flamins. He he held his own against Rocket Richard. Like he was doing well against the legit tough tough guys of, of that era. He was not a joke. So I think when we act like you know, this like uh, we're going to help beat up this this guy from New York. You know, like this wasn't just some scrub from New York. This was like one of the guys from his era who was a legitimate badass on that team. And it's a it's a it's a drubbing. And I think of it. Uh, I think of it. The player that I think that he's most similar to, Gordy's most similar to, is is someone like Clark Gillies. Like, you know, were the real fighters of that era afraid of Clark Gillies? No, but they didn't necessarily. Nobody was half stepping. Nobody was going to him on a shits and giggles mission. And when Hospitar, you know, took it too far, he got his face busted. And I think like there's there's similarities to that. The other thing is that like, you know, he Gordy Howe. Uh, it knocked out Rocky Richard. Rocky Richard in his autobiography is like the only guy that ever bested me in a fight is Gordy Howe. Rocky Richard knocked people out. He knocked out Fernie Flamin. He he was knocking people out. He was no joke. And I'm not talking like the way Maple Leafs fans give Wendell Clark. I'm not talking like he had 87 TKOs. Like no, I mean he was really he was putting guys on the ice. He was knocking Bill Judds on the ice. You know, so 
you know, that's, that's like the legit fight. And you go back and you look at these things and you look at like Larry Kahn. And so I go to the newspaper that day and you can find these newspapers now. And they talk about like, well, Kahan comes in and belts him with a high stick and bloodies him. They get into it. They exchange body shots. It's a good fight. You know, but that's not what our man says. Our man gives us some line about like, uh, you know, they get into it and, um, and, uh, uh Kahan, you know, Bunch of punches them around or bloodies them or whatever it was. I can't, I had it here somewhere, but yeah, Gordy took the worst of it. Gahan was clearly upset. They both were saying, said to land big blows. What I found as I went through here is like a lot of this stuff is just inaccurate. You know, a lot of this stuff just isn't true and nobody calls this guy out on it. So I, I have a, I have a degree in history, Darren, which I always said like lets me work at the register at McDonald's. I don't have to start off at Fry's. It's like, big whoop but i i like to i like to dig in i like to research and this stuff is there now like you know there's some people out there in the vanguard of like box scores and looking at newspapers that i'm just blown away by and there's a couple of them who i think if you would ask them like this myth of gordy howe like, and I, I think one in particular would say like you know he's, he's actually probably a better fighter than many of us get him credit for because i think we're in the period right now where there is that blowback where people are like you know uh, hey, he only had two fights. Why does he have the Gordy? He only had two hat tricks. Why is it the Gordy Howe hat trick? Well, you know, he's he only he, he only had twenty two fights. Why why do we even? He's obviously not a fighter. And I think he, people are looking at it in sort of the wrong way. But I think that's the like you know, fan is short for fanatic. We got people all over who are are blinded by their fanaticism <laughs> and can't you know they don't want to see sort of the reality of what it is. Um, you know, I look at like uh, I'm looking at this one on February where, of '65 where he's fighting Noel Picard. And he's the rookie Picard appeared to get the better of the older Howe when he pulled his jersey over his head and landed two good punches. He then landed Howe up and Gordy surprised him with two solid rights. And it's like, yeah, that's that's sort of what it is. Except you know, you can look at the St. Louis Dispatch, you can look at these things, and he wrestles the sweater over his head, but he's not landing any punches and. I think the danger of anything like like mythologizing like that is like if, if there's only one point of view or if there's only one reference, then we're all really limited. And I just, you know, I, I encourage people to get out there and do their own research on Gordy. But when I get in there and look, like he's actually a better he's a, he's a better fighter than I would have given him credit for. Like I don't really find any real instances. I certainly don't find really real instances of him getting his hat handed to him. You know, maybe when he was younger, when he, and it wouldn't have been a big deal, it wouldn't even made the news, maybe. But it, from what I can see in the in the, about the thirty some fights that I've found, he's always competitive at best. You know, and a couple of days ago is the the anniversary, or at worst, a couple of days ago is the anniversary of him fighting with Fred Shiro from nineteen forty nine, seventy four years ago. And Stan Fischler said, you know, there's only only Stan, only Fred Shiro and Jack Tex Evans are the only two people that I ever saw fight Gordy Howe to a draw. So, you know, again, I'm not buying into the myth that he never lost uh, or that he was he absurdly would never think he was unbeatable. It's just hard to find. It's hard to find any instances where it is. Now, again, I, I think of like somebody like Clark Gillies. I almost dare to start the fire by saying like a young start Scott Stevens, but again, that one should come with the trigger warning. People flip out about him. Steve um, said it. I didn't say it. Steve said yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Send your cards and letters. I'll give you his email. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks. Right. Yeah. I don't want. You don't get that on me. That? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. You know what's funny is like I am admittedly a huge Gordy Howe fan. I think I just think he's great. I hated Scott Stevens as a player. I hated him. I hated him on the Caps. I hated him when he killed my Red Wings. I hated him. So after all these years, when I'm on, I'm on these boards, like, man, 
the guy could fight, you know, and you're like, no, and you just get tired of the overwhelming, like, well, he ducked, don't me, like, okay, whatever. So you go back to, I, I think the guy who's probably most similar to Gordy is somebody like Clark Gillies, and that, you know, he's big, he's strong, he could hurt you if you weren't expect if, if it didn't, if you weren't prepared, or however it went, he could hurt you in there. You know, there's a good quote by Butch Bouchard, who was one of the great enforcers of his time, and he said, you know, like those guys that fought in that era, they weren't afraid of Gordy. He said, but we always knew where he was, and we always were aware of him, and, and we were aware of how strong he was. You know, and, and I think you go back to that other lifelong kissing match. Like, I don't believe anybody in that era is afraid of anybody else. Uh, are there guys that you don't want to tangle with more than others? For sure, for sure. And I think, you know, the other thing is that uh, in that time, those guys were, you were just as likely to get a six or eight inch cut on your forehead from a stick as you were to have somebody drop your gloves. Like those guys, they they would use the lumber just as quick as dropping the gloves. And there was no, I, I, I see guys on there and they say, like, you know, what about the code? So there's no, there wasn't a code in, there wasn't a code in 1980, let alone 1950. So, I mean, those guys, he didn't want to go back to Floral, Saskatchewan. Those guys didn't want to go back to Kirkland, yeah. Ontario. They they were, if it took running a stick through your mouth to keep from going back to wherever, so be it, man. Better you than them. Well, and like, and like you said, I mean, back then when it was the original six, those guys didn't have the luxury of being scared. It was like. No, no kidding. You were going to be, you'd be out of the league. Yeah. You know, and like I said, I mean, the roster is 15 to 17. So you have less than a hundred NHL guys. Yeah. And you think about all those guys like Teddy Harris and Terry Harper that just played for years in the Cleveland, in Cleveland, in the minors and all the guys yeah. out on playing Western hockey, you know, and man, they could have probably had another three or four teams just from yeah. the talent that was available for sure. And some of those guys just spent a lifetime in the minors. Well, that's know? like, like Don Cherry. Don Cherry played yeah. 15 Absolutely. years in the minors, right? And he talks about it all the time. <laughs> he played when he played one Absolutely. game. He got a one. Oddly enough, his one game in the NHL is a playoff game, which is kind of wild. But it's like, it is uh, wild. yeah, yeah, they'd call him up for the playoffs. But it's like, but yeah, so it's like, yeah, if they probably had any more than six teams, he probably would have made at some point made the NHL for a little while. But it's like him yeah. and him and yeah. a lot of guys, right? So it's like, yeah. Right. It, well, I just found this fascinating article about Cherry. Where he was fighting, he was had this nemesis in the minors, uh, and you know, like they're all farm clubs of somebody. They're all, they're all, you know, he's he's on somebody's farm club and he's playing Montreal's farm club, and they have a couple of bench clearing brawls, and uh, I think it's oh, is it Selkie? Whoever he like, one of the Montreal coaches, he keeps his team on the bench. Well, Cherry sends his boys over the board. You know, it's in, in March of '62. And he goes over the board, and he ends up getting into it with Bob Armstrong. Well, years later, like the Canadians kind of remember him from that event, and and whoever the brass was at the time, I'm drawing blank because I don't really like the Canadians. But um, they, they're like, you know, I remember him from the minors, and he's not necessarily the type of guy we want. Like, if those guys wanted to, if the brass wanted to, they could stick you someplace for years, and there was nothing you could do. And so many of those guys. You know, they may have had a high school education. Maybe there there wasn't a whole lot else to fall back on. You look at a guy like Brophy. I mean, that guy played forever in the minor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they, they just didn't. And and again, you weren't taking food off of his plate. Like those guys would, they'd slice you from head to toe. You know. Yeah, oh, no, no, so, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know, just to kind of circle it back with Gordy, like. 
nobody's unbeatable. I think you go into it with that kind of mindset and you kind of just kind of phase out or block out that the 90% of idiots out there who it's, you know, they don't want to put the work in and it's easier to just kind of say, Oh, so-and-so never got beat or so-and-so, you know, it was unbeatable. And you know, I think what I'm finding when I'm looking is like, man, this guy was legitimately tough. Like the, is the fight with Fontanato overplayed? Yeah, for sure. It is. But I feel the same way about the Bouchard Jonathan fight. And I think like, you know what, Bouchard hadn't fought in almost a year and before that it was his own his last fight with Keith Magnuson. This is like Jonathan's third fight in two weeks. So yeah, I get it, but I'm not gonna act like I'm surprised that he got hammered. Like, yeah, I mean Bouchard's best days as a fighter were behind him. So again, like I'm not trying to pee on that trade, but there are all these sort of you know, these hockey not myths, but these legends that we prop up and the people have just, you know, they just kind of keep them up because uh, it's easier than doing the work. And that's, that's fine, man. That's the great thing about being a fan. You know? Yeah, well, the Bouchard-Jonathan thing, that fight was actually even until Jonathan switches hands at the end. It's not like yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. talks like this is just some ass kicking from the gloves <laughs> dropping to the end, right? It's Massive like, blood Yeah, it's like, no, like, it's a good fight. Yeah, until he breaks his fight, nose but... at the left at the yeah. end. Yeah, and then they go down. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but right, it's, right, yeah, right. this, so, yeah. this absolute destruction of Bouchard, it's like, well, not really. Yeah. Like, like, I had one well, guy the other I... night, we were sitting there talking, and he's just like, so I had, actually, I had put up a picture of Bouchard throwing a body check or something, and Immediately, yeah, of course, the Jonathan exactly. stuff comes up, and exactly. he's like, "Oh, well, this." Uh, but do that, yeah. Well, yeah, and then the one guy, of course, goes, "Oh, this guy will just the only thing he's ever known for is getting beat up by Stan Jonathan." And I was just like, I, "Of course, I go and look." The guy's from Boston, so I was like, "Like you said, know, right?" Well, and I'm like, I "Dude, mean, the guy played the only thing they had to hang their hat on for like 30 years in that rivalry was that was the only thing. It was like one time, one of your guys beat up our guys on our way to another Stanley Cup victory. You know, Jonathan was fine. He was talking yeah. the next day about, I'm sorry, uh, Bishai was fine. He's like, I don't know what the big deal is. He's like, it's not the first time I've had this big nose, you know, blood eating. And he's like, you don't know what they do. And yeah, I mean, the myth around that, like, you know, he never played again. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like, and I think what happened is, of course, it's on Hockey Night in Canada. So it's like that. Yes. It yes. went across yes. Canada. Mm-hmm. The visual yeah. of it, the theater of it, because it did look yeah, like absolutely. blood everywhere. It looked like a murder scene for yeah, sure. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it was absolutely. a broken nose, which happens constantly. And no, then, and I'm like, I, mean, I said to the guy, I'm like, well, Bouchard played like 700 career games, has five Stanley Cups. I'm pretty right. sure he's not too concerned about the Stan Jonathan fight <laughs> right, as much I as know. you are, you know, like. I've said that before too. Like he can't hear you because of the five rings in his ears. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing too is like, you know, he and his dad, are the first father-son duo in Hab history to win the cup together. Again, I'm not a Hab fan, but when you're the first to do anything in a franchise like that, like that's what you that's what you're going to be like that's where your your pride is going to come from. What he's going to walk around hat in hand in Boston and hope like, "Hey, can I sign one of those pictures to make some money?" Why would he even leave Quebec? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, but I mean, you know, the other thing too, like you said, like you got Wensink challenging the stars bench that, uh, and that gets high profile. There's, there's probably five guys challenging benches that year. You know, you got to do it challenging benches. You got people, but that, because that's high profile, it's like, well, that, that guy's right out of slap shot, you know? And, and yeah, he is. He's one of the handful of guys that I would, uh, not turn my back on in any sort of brawl like that. Wensink was, 
he was a bad man. Like he hurt people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know those those kind of legends that get woven into the mythology of the game, and then you know people get tired of them. You get that blowback, and people get tired of uh, of talking about Gordy and Lou. And there's no video, you know. There's just no video. Yeah. So it's even harder when there's no video, and you got to kind of put it up. And and you know, I I read these newspaper accounts, and I take them with a grain of salt because these guys are riding on the trains with the players, and these guys are getting, you know, some of them are catching checks from the club, so they're not going to be. Well, yeah. Much, see, this know? this was my this was okay. All right, I'm going to cut you off here because this is where I got a couple questions for you here, or a couple, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. And uh, well, I was going to say, like you said, the problem with the house stuff is there's no video, so I said mm-hmm. that that hurts. I said the yeah. worst thing Fontenot ever did was let Life Magazine take a picture of him in the hospital. Oh my god, that was no the stupidest kidding. thing he ever did because all it was no was kidding. again a broken nose. But they, oh, you take a picture of him. Holy shit! It looks like he was out for months, and it was like, well, no, it was a broken nose. I mean, hey, Darren, imagine, imagine there's no video of Wendell Clark and Marty McSorley, but all we get the next day is the picture in the paper with Marty with that that shiner, and you're gonna be like, oh, okay, Darren, you know, sure he won. <laughs> Well, that was, see, that's, and I was going to, I was going to say that's a perfect example. But yeah, so when like Martin, after that fight, when Marty's leaving the ice and he kind of knocks the camera down because he's bleeding. Oh, see, see. And it's like, you do realize if you watch that fight and I love Wendell, I love me Wendell. I love both guys, but I mean, Marty landed about 35 more punches than Wendell did in that fight, but Wendell landed the best one, right? So of course, bomb, right? again, sure. it's exactly yeah. it's, well, it's the theater of it, right? People start propping it up. Yeah, exactly. And I've said it before myself, just just from the fight with everybody else. Like, uh, yeah, oh yeah, the winner always covers the camera on his way off the ice. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, and there was a McLaren, McLaren Parker, Scott Parker, Steve yeah, McLaren. Yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Well, he Parker literally put him out for weeks with a fractured <laughs> nose and like he had to get. Right. Constructive, sir, but it's like, well, yeah, but McLaren outpunched him. I'm like, well, yep. okay, if that's how you need to get a win, I'll take the loss every night. Because <laughs> Parker kept playing. McLaren missed like six weeks, so it's like, right, yeah, right, yeah, no kidding. But it's yeah. the, it's, no. but, uh, but, yeah, yo, so to get back great. to Fontenotto, right? So the stupidest thing Lou did was that pitcher. But anyway, I, yeah. I was going to yeah. ask you, um, as you go through newspapers.com, I see awesome. I should have got the other Steve on here too from ProbertWasKing.com. He's in the vanguard, man. He's the one that I was mentioning earlier. Yeah, and yeah. He's, I mean, he's an inspiration. He's the one that found all this stuff. And he came into this. I could tell by some of his posts and how he was approaching it that he was coming into this like, ah, this dude's overrated. I don't see that so much in what he says. And again, that's his, that's his show for you. But I think if you were to ask him, I suspect he would say he's a better fighter than he might get credit for. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and the, and the great thing when I had Steve on when Probert was King dot com for those wondering, yeah, um, when yeah. I had him on, uh, well, ep- I don't even know what I'm not even going to try to guess what episode m- many episodes ago, <laughs> um, yeah, Steve of course uh, went with the newspapers dot com and everything into researching. He went right yeah. back to the beginning of the NHL. Like the yeah. 1900s, and it was like oh, or 1890s yeah. and stuff. So he's talking oh, about yeah. like Joe, oh. Bad Joe Hall, and all those guys, right? Oh, and man. Like Sprague Clayhorn, no, and he was re- yeah, and he, he had a ton of stuff. He had he had some great totally. he had some great insights on the on the episode with talking Absolutely. about those guys. You know? I feel like in in that regard, he is again ahead by a century. Like he is so far ahead. And honestly, um, I mean, it's just not my it's not my area of interest. 
but I like, I love what he posts and I love to read about it. You know? yeah. And again, like, man, that guy, yeah, again, I have a, I have a great appreciation for how he's going about doing things for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing. And that's why I always try to tell these other guys. It's like, even when I did the episode, I think in the, in the, in the, uh, um, uh, intro to that episode when I was talking, I said a lot of even younger fans are, well, young, well, we're all younger than Sprague Clayhorn, but I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, but everybody, we always like, oh, Baruby, Probert, Twist, you know, that's kind of what everybody talks about. I'm like, well, there is no mm-hmm. Baruby, Twist, or Probert without Sprague Clayhorn and Bad Joe Hall it's and all the, it's a, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. they stand on the shoulders of those guys, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. and like, yeah, and like, yep. and same thing as we go on with Gordy Howe, Fern Flamin, these guys, yep. it's like, Ted Harris and stuff like that. It's like, well, you can look back on them and say, well, oh, they get destroyed by Bugard. Well, yeah, it's like, it's evolution, man. Of course. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you know, like I always say, my, my my SUV ran a lot better than my 78 Nova did, but I mean, you know, come on now. Let's, you know, I mean, we got to look at, you have to, you have to look at things with a, in through a vacuum when you're looking at eras, right? Cause it's like, yeah, totally. And with hockey, it's even more challenging like that. I mean, they're just like, it just blew up. I mean, you have your like red Horner for all these years, you know, lead the league in penalty minutes. And then you do, you got your early 60s, and uh, and then there's that small window between where, like, Ferguson's retiring and Kurtenbach is kind of, his injuries are catching up, and you got your Teddy Harris's, and you got Wayne Cashman, and there's this moment where Keith Magnuson, he pops out of nowhere, and because he's just a maniac on the ice, like, that guy's dangerous. Like, he's he's getting in fights and swinging from his heels, and if you don't know what to expect, like, he's catching some guy. You know, he took out Earl Huskell, and Huskell was a respected policeman. The thing was, like, there were no policemen in that window because the super nuclear age hadn't really shown up. And then when you get these guys like Howitt that are fighting 25, 30 times a year, like, I mean, that, those are team totals sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's also, it's just different. It's a different area. It's a different, and, yeah, I really... I really have a hard time kind of separating guys, and I, I hate to, to kind of do my like I, I hate to do it because it sounds like disrespectful in my own mind. But I'm like, can Bukhar take a shift in 1970? Can he take one in 1950? I mean, what are we doing? Are we having like just guys that sit on the bench and like come out and fight? Are we playing a hockey game and then there is a fight? Because you know, like, is the guy that plays 20, 20 some minutes a game is he the same as the guy that gets a 45 second shift again? I have nothing but respect for those guys, so I'm not trying to dog them. But when I'm thinking in my mind, like, where do these guys suss out? I'm like, are we playing a game or are we just doing, you know, rock them, sock them? Because, you know, like, what are the parameters here? Well, yeah, and I mean, and there is that, well, and that, like, as you said, right, as the as the eras changed, everything, the mindset changed, and, yeah. you know, and how they looked at it. And like you said, towards the end, it got, became when you get the McIntyres and Bugards and it became nuclear weapons, right? And Colt Miller yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. and it was like, you know, so, and then before that, even <laughs> in the 80s and stuff like that, those guys still had to play. Yeah. You had to play and then, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. you know, and I think, and even in the 70s, I mean, Schultz is obviously kind of looked at as, oh, the hammer, the king of the goons, whatever you want to call him. Well, he had a 20-goal year. Yeah. Schultz wasn't oh, yeah. a, Schultz wasn't the three, yeah he wasn't the three minute dummy and I think sometimes no. people newer younger fans yeah. kind of view him as like a McIntyre no disrespect yeah. to Steve yeah, McIntyre yeah, or anything yeah. but you know understand. what I'm saying yeah. for this idea right for the, right right no disrespect to any of those guys no but yeah absolutely like you got to take a regular shift and then they're doing it in the playoffs too yeah 
Yeah, you know, I, I was reading in Dennis Potvin's autobiography, and it's called, I think, Power on Ice, and he talked about his first game against the Flyers and how much Schultz was in his head. And we're talking about Dennis Potvin. I mean, this guy is like uh, – He's not lacking for confidence, you know. He's like, you know, but he talked about like, man, I'm looking over my shoulder all the time, and that's what I always say about Schultz, and that's why I always say like, you know what, I take him over George Larocque because I want people looking over their shoulder for my guy, not my guy coming up and asking you for a fight, and then you politely declining, and my guy saying, okay, cheerio, have a good day, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Schultz Schultz wasn't asking, you know. No, uh, and none of those guys were. No. There's a lot. Like, like, it's not hard to find pictures or even to read about guys like they suckered people in brawls all the time. If your head was on a swivel and you were out there, I mean, I posted that photo a while ago of Ted Harris, and he's just winding up to cold cock Bobby Orr, you know, and Orr's glove is dropped, and I think, I mean, that's the problem with pictures. I think he, he you know, I think Orr reacted and he didn't, well, he, uh, he didn't get knocked out. He didn't get dropped. But I mean, you see Ted Harris like, oh, hey, here's, here's, uh, here's his welcome to the NHL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, welcome to the National League, Bobby. You know, and you can, I mean, I read about Barclay Plager doing that. When these brawls are coming up, if you're not paying attention, these guys think nothing about cold cocking you. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think, and that's the one thing that I've, I've ranted on this show. <laughs> hundreds of times about it, but it, it and and again, I think people try to put this. I like again younger. Well, I don't. Even, I keep saying younger fans. It, well, it's not just younger fans, but these people that have this idea of the code in their head, yes. and so they just look at like you said, if they go back to the seven or whatever, and Semenko or any guys like that, it's like or even Dave Brown and stuff, and it's like. Well, they just jump people. They were suck. They just sucker punch people, and it's like, well, no. What they were doing was enforcing, which is exactly what they were paid to do. It's exactly. like there was none exactly. of this. Like, hey, bro, do you want to have a tussle? Like, you know, exactly. it's like no. Right. And there's no butt tapping afterwards. No. And I'll see you on the golf course, and your ex girlfriend is my current girlfriend. Things yeah, like and see at the MGM. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and I think people they they often for like, well, they don't understand. I've said this a bunch of times. Yeah. I've even said on the forum a bunch of times. I said I've you people truly do not understand what the enforcer is because it's no. so far gone now and so far right. even in the la- like I said <laughs> I've said it on the show. I said I current like players don't know what what enforcing is. No, no, is. no. no. I don't even blame these guys because they didn't grow up. I mean, no. you know, when you think about like, okay, so who's the last, if you're a current player, who's the last enforcer you probably saw? saw? And I haven't followed the game in years, but I'm thinking Sean Thornton, you know, he's the last one that I kind of thought, and, and I thought he did it. Yeah. Well, first off, the enforcer, as you and I envision him, couldn't exist today. It just couldn't exist. I mean, because nope. the enforcer that you and I think of, like, I, I like Joey Kosha. I'm a big Wings fan, you know. But I don't be I'm like, man, if you didn't know Dave Semenko was coming for you with that game after you just dropped John Jackson, like, that's on you, dude. So, like, I, I never have been like, well, you know, Semenko should have given him the warning and they should have. No. Kosher's head should have been on a swivel and he should have had that stick out like a bayonet or he should have been ready to go. You know, like, no, I, like I said, my Mount Rushmore of enforcers are guys that had the other team looking over their shoulder. I don't care if you're the world's greatest fighter. Like, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not a huge Nick Foti fan, you know, and part of that is like I don't need the showmanship. Get in there and do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, like I've always said, it, there's man. a diff- there's a difference between enforcing and fighting. 
Yes, and I, I think do. some people Absolutely. can't make the make the distinction. It's like, oh no, there's yeah. Like I said, when it came down to fighting, ah, McSorley was probably a better fighter than Samanko was. But it was like, yeah, probably. I would yeah. say Samanko was probably. Well, yeah, now that I take that back, I might not even say. You know, it's it's a totally different fight. The longer it goes, the better yeah. it is for Marty. Yeah. You know, I mean, Samanko right out of the hop is going to throw huge bombs, but then those whatever I mean packs a day is going to catch up pretty quick. Yeah, but it's like both the, both those guys were not going to. Like that was the thing. It was there was no code. There was none of this. Like you no. said, the thing with Coaster. Well, it was it. I always say with this, I said, this. it didn't just fall out of the sky. No. Like, Samantha wasn't sitting on the bed, boy, I better get a quick jump on him, or because jo- Joey's got that big right. No, it had all, it had not, it had nothing to do with fighting Koser until Koser, like you said, beat up Don Jackson and set that met, and then it was like, all right, well, I got to get the momentum back for our team here. And that's why Samantha did what he did. He tells Marty in like 83 when Marty comes over from Pittsburgh, he says, you know, sometimes we got to remind them. Sometimes we must remind them. You know, yeah. it, is, it is only like Samingo can do. He says over in the gravelly voice, Marty, sometimes we got to remind them. And then he probably went out and, you know, threw Paul Baxter's head into the stands or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and like you said, and I think, and I think people don't understand no, that. They, they like they said, they, they just, could. they look at this. No, no. Well, you have to have a square off. And right, it's, you know, right. and it's like, Queensberry. yeah, and it's yeah, like, well, that's a very, right. like I always say that that's a really, I think people get this like romantic look at fighting sometimes. And it's like, you yeah. don't really understand what it really is. Like it's right. become such a, it's become such a, um, for lack of a better term, I was saying it the other day, it's become a sideshow. Yeah. Yep. I agree. You know, yep. and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, like I said, I'm an L and H guy. I, I don't like that shit. I don't care. But right. <laughs> at the same time, let's not confuse the two. And exactly. I think, and I think people exactly. do. And I think, especially the younger, yeah. they look like you always oh, Probert and Rob Ray get all this shit. Oh, they weren't tied down, so they really weren't that. He, Probert really wasn't that good. Yeah. It's like, well, there was no rule right, against right, it. Right. And you keep talking no. like the other people in the league weren't allowed to do it. They were allowed to do it that. too, you know. Like, well, you know what's fascinating because again, I watched that in real time, and I'll bet you, Darren, if you go back there and you watch whatever the first twenty Probert fights, and it, and I don't even, I wouldn't even hazard a guess, but say the sweater comes up in half of those, I'll bet you in every one of those fights, Mickey, whomever it is, says like, "Oh, this bad news." We all grew up thinking like that the sweater came up, that was only a step away from getting it over your head, and then you're just going to get pummeled, you know. Yeah. So, you know, there weren't a lot of people to me. It looks like it looks like Cochran is like the earliest shedder, you know. In my mind, I mean, he looks like he's the earliest guy to just be like, "Fuck this, I'm out of it," and just get out and swing like a madman. I think Butch Bouchard did a little of, of getting out of the sweater too. He did the first of pulling the sweater over the guy's head. But I mean, yeah, at the same time, like back then, it was fifty fifty. Fans are looking at that like, is that a good thing that Probert's coming out of the sweater? Is it a bad thing? Yeah. And you know, I mean, I'm a I'm a huge Probert fan, but it's like for me, Ray is like, ah, that's silly, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and if it's the other way around, I'm probably like, "What? Well, it's no different. It's all on the same spectrum." But in my mind, like, I mean, Nyland talks about it all the time. He's like, "You've got to fight Dave Brown in that brawl." And Brown's got nothing for him to hold on to. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like it's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. But again, like you said, it, like everybody else could have done the same thing. They all could have done yeah. the same thing. And everybody, Brett's not on there very often anymore. But Brett Hover used to post all those sweaters that were altered. And the guy that does like the 
the minor league thing, the drop your gloves minor league thing. Like that guy's got, like all these guys are cutting their sleeves. I got a clipping. I got a clipping that I should share with you where Dave Brown wears three different sweaters one game, like three different jerseys, like not three different, like three different numbers. Like he's number twenty one, number nineteen, and like thirty five. And because every every jersey something he's altered in the game, it gets like thrown out. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, so. Right, is Dave Brown, is it, do we take points off of Dave Brown because he's shortened the length of his sleeve? Or do we just say, like, man, that's gamesmanship. And you know what the Raiders said on the way out the door, like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Number two, see number one. You know? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing, too, that people just can't understand is, like, you're taking food off people's table. Like, if, you're, yeah. if, you, if you get beat once, I mean, John Hillworth, like, look at that guy, like, he's... He's a bad dude. He's fighting all these guys in the minors. He's doing great. He comes up and he just gets manhandled by Ben Wilson, who's doing that. But his his general manager is Terrible Ted, and Terrible Ted thinks he's got to go out and either ram his stick down his throat or whatever. You know, Hellworth in the in the locker room like he ran a hundred yard dash in a ninety yard gym. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it's like not Ted. Like in this generation, we don't send guys back out into the like. I've got a whole set of pictures that I've thought of been like would be funny concussion protocols. Like you know, Western Hockey League in the seventies, and they're just pulling guys off the ice like they're drunks out of a bar. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like skates are dragging behind them and everything. People have no idea how violent it was because the game was so regional and just not televised and. You know, when when it started to grow and get bigger and it wanted Gary wanted to attract the soccer moms, like you just couldn't have that. You couldn't have guys breaking sticks over other guys' heads. You couldn't have them jumping into the penalty box. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like it just wasn't gonna sell the way he wanted to. And eventually like it just became like it wasn't a part of the like you know, I think where fighting is now, to me, it looks like where it was in the original six days. Like it's all kind of a spectrum. Like, you know, there just weren't massive amounts of fights like that like you're looking at i don't remember but i thought a couple years ago it looked like evander kane led the league maybe a couple years in a row with like 150 penalty minutes and we're like man you know glenn cochran had that by 15 18 games <laughs> yeah well and <laughs> I, th- I used to lose. yeah and yeah. i th- well i think what you're seeing nowadays is a lot a lot of the fights now are front well of course the big oh it's yeah. a big hit they have to fight well not really but but uh, <laughs> yeah. these fights are happening through creation yeah. through something happening there's not really appointment yeah. fighting anymore like yeah. there's still now and again i'm sure there is but i mean for the most part it's not like oh reeves is out Delorier's out. Okay, now we have to fight. It's well, sometimes it right, is. Right, right, right. But but you know what I mean. It's like it's it's more yeah. like mm-hmm. no, you're we'll, right. You're we'll right. fight There's because chance that those guys don't fight. Yeah, got to be something that happens on the ice. Yeah, for those guys to step into what they're going to do, they just aren't going to do it just to do it the way our guys did. And yeah, that's for somebody else to debate whether it's better or worse. But it's just. That's the nature of the game. Like, they're not just stepping on the ice and throwing them before they drop the puck. <laughs> well, and I think now, and I think probably with a lot of guys, you're, you're going to find like a Ross, yeah, like a team might have 15 fights total, but you might have one guy that's got five, but then there'll be yeah, like, totally. there'll be 10 guys with one. Because right. it's like, well, because everything, <laughs> there is no enforcer anymore. Like, I think right, that's what right, happened, right. like back in the 80s and 90s, especially. It was like, yeah. well, when the stars got hit, well, yeah, so if, like, now if the stars get hit, they kind of have to fight themselves, more or less. They'll do their own kind mm-hmm. of fighting, and I mean, it ain't much of a fight. It's a game of slap and tickle, because right. the other guy that he's 
kind of fighting <laughs> really doesn't fight either. So it's like, no. you know, whatever. Whereas before it was like, he'd come back to the bench and like Stu Grimson would be like, I got it, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and then exactly. they would go out. Well, yeah. and I always laugh. And if, when you actually look at it, when you really break it down, kind of the stupidity of it, really. I always said like <laughs> A hits, A hits B. So then C goes out and fights D. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I always think, and this is another one of those myth busting things, and this is one that I would just catch nothing but shit for, but I've never seen a hockey player deterred by another hockey player's actions. <laughs> you know, like I heard, like, oh man, that guy's so lucky he didn't play in the 80s. Like, do you know who Paul Baxter was? Like, yeah. do you know who Ken Lindsayman was? Like, that dude would have never survived. Like, there have been rats in the game forever. And I've never seen one of them, one of their behaviors deterred because of a potential ass kicking. I just, I've never seen it. You know, I've never, did Sean Avery stop being a punk, you know, or whatever he was in Detroit after he was getting lessons from these Hall of Famers? No, he went out and did his thing. <laughs> you know, I just, I am really, I'm reluctant to buy into that. The other one that I don't believe is true either is like, well, if you take fight now, you're going to get a lot more stick work. Like this game has, stick work has always been in the fabric of this game. And it's been there whether you've got guys that have 30 fights a year or whether you've got guys that have five fights a year. There's always stick work, you know. Is it worse in Europe? I don't know. I'm not over in Europe. I have no idea. But I just don't think of either of those things you can honestly say. Like, well, fighting's a deterrent to that. No, fighting is an outlet. And fighting has its place. But it's not a deterrent. <laughs> no, like, I don't think Oh, it's definitely, yeah, there's definitely an outlet. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, because you look at, like, I mean, I've had guys on this show that did both. Well, my brother did both, played junior and played college. And he was like, well, college was oh. co- was completely dirtier because you can't fight. Well, yeah, that's true, yeah, but yeah, yeah, they're yeah. also they're also wearing full cages. So it's oh, like, totally, totally. you know, so that yeah. becomes, like, yeah. that would be interesting. See, because up here in yeah. Canada, our university hockey, they wear half visors. But they're still I can't not- believe that, that it's not bigger in Canada. Like, I went to school in North Dakota, and I was like uh, – I was blown away because I was like, man, hockey here is like football at the University of Michigan. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I was, I, I had Mike Commodore as a classmate, but I also had gone because I'm a lifelong student there. I had like Dean Jackson, Dixon Ward. I was friends with Greg Johnson. Like those guys were so accessible and so nice back then. I mean, you had a campus of 10,000 people, but I'll tell you what, man, when the Red River Valley, when the, when the war with Minnesota came on, I still watch college hockey because it's the only hockey that I see that actually has that vitriol and hate, you know, yeah. like they, where they actually hate each other, you know, and, and I'm not pretending like there's heavyweights coming out of there, but you know, when there, there were big brawls, there were fights. And I think you're right. I absolutely, well, I mean, you can look back and see research and, and look back in the eighties, like the helmets coming along and you got guys are like, you know what? I'd run that guy. I might not run him if he didn't have a helmet, but if I look over and that guy has got a helmet on, you're like, yeah, I might give him a stick. I might put a shoulder in him. They all to a person were like, this is a dangerous slope. When you start gearing people up and protecting them to the point that they can't be hurt, like then you're going to have these buzzsaws all over the ice that aren't worried about anything. And I think you and I saw, like, there was a decade that when you in the, in the 80s, when I started, 70s and 80s, when I started really getting into it, Stretchering wasn't a verb. I never saw anybody get stretchered off the ice. And then it seemed like in 2000, it was like every other night somebody's career was being ended because they were being blindsided by somebody else. You know, and, and like there was plenty of guys in the league doing fight, and that wasn't stopping anybody. But it was like, man, these guys are just so protected right now that they think they're impervious to pain. And, and like you said, like 
I played with a, a mask for a while before I realized, like, man, it doesn't matter how quick I think I am. There's deflections and sticks out here, and I don't have the type of cash that I can pay for a full set of teeth now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's all interesting, and I think it's, really, you know, it's one of those things I look at those lists that people make, and I think, like, uh, man, those lists are really hard. Like, I've been trying to, I've been thinking about a list for the Hockey Fights and Brawls page about, like, most underrated and i think like man that's super hard because then like you, you know you got a guy like randy holt that is really well known um in his era but gets absolutely no attention after a certain time and i was like well would you, what does he make does he make that list or you know i think it's hard you know or is that uh is there mark rippon on that list because he only played for a while or i'm sorry not mark rick rippon you know yeah um yeah you know and it's like man i love rick rippon i thought he was he was I, he was one of probably the last guys that I, lo- I absolutely loved watching fight, you know, and he's yep. a fantastic fighter, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's all it's all fascinating. I think it's all you know, fanatic and fandom, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's just it, hockey itself is so hard to separate by eras, you know, because of roster size, real yep. changes, all that stuff. When I watch the game now, I look at it, and I don't watch much of it, but I think like, man, the game has never looked faster. And it's like, but it's almost too fast. Like they can't quite catch up. They're not making the plays, you know. And and I think like there's probably hockey players have probably never been in better condition. They've probably never been more skilled. You know, they're they're, they're probably at an elite level. But it's just like they're just kind of. It seems sometimes like they're these overcoached robots, and it doesn't have much kind of like uh, room for improvisation. Or um, because everybody's about the same, like you don't have that. Like, uh, uh oh, somebody got stuck out on the ice. You know, Gretzky's out on the ice against snaps or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, and, and, yeah, and it's probably like every sport. You can pretty much say it's probably overcoached now, right? Because it's like, it's well, and the thing is, is there's, is there's, there's too much money. Well, it's yeah, not too it's much money. I don't begrudge these guys making their money, but it's just like there's so much money. In, there's so much money involved. You can't afford to. Ah, just like we'll go out there and wing it, boys. You know, we'll play some pond <laughs> hockey tonight. Like, you know, we're not Glenn Sather in the what 80s with do? the Oilers. Like, what do you guys want to do? <laughs> yeah, like, no. Like, this guy, he, he's, no. like, that's the same with coaches, right? I mean, they got to put food yeah. on the table, too. So they're going to yeah. yeah. be, so these guys are really, yeah, like you said, I think the best thing with these players, it's like, everything's so cookie cutter. It's like, they're, yeah. I mean, you'll get your Crosbys and your McDavid's, of course. But, I mean, for the most yeah. part, that second second line, third line guys, those, those six forwards right. there, they're pretty much interchangeable, like, in my opinion. Like, there isn't much of a different, and they're all, oh, they're all in great shape. They can all skate. They can all do this. I mean, yeah. They're all going to get you seven goals and eight assists and 13 penalty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I look at these guys, and they're going to be 6'5 and 220. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think the biggest difference is, is those third and fourth liners and that are that third pairing, the fifth and sixth D, whereas like those guys would have been maybe a little bit less on talent, but man, they hacked their way out of foam lake and they weren't going back. And you put those Gary Hart's out there and you put those guys out there and what they lacked in skill, they made up for an emotion and they brought this other elements of the game that just doesn't seem like it's there now. And and again, you go back to like, man, these guys have all been in development camps together. Some of them been in college together. They're they're with each other is you know they're trading girlfriends they're sending instagram photos whatever you know and at the end of the day they're like really i gotta darren and i are gonna punch it out like 
I make $2 million a year. How about if I just look to the rest and say, like, do something about what you do? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, when I see the game now and you see somebody get hit, you, you know, I saw Larkin get hit, and it really wasn't that bad of a hit. But you look around and these guys are all, like, pleading to the ref. You know, 20 years ago, there would have been some guy, well, Perone did. He came flying in and crossed yeah. the, court the, wrong, court the wrong guy. But that's <laughs> exactly what would have happened 20 years ago, too. Yeah. You look at him and he's got the lineage because whatever locker room he was in, I mean, I, that guy's been around probably, what, 13, 15 yeah. years? I mean, yeah. if, I, if I recognize his name, whatever locker room he was in as a kid, there was a guy in that locker room that wasn't looking around for the referee. He flew right to that point of contact and he jumped in. He said, we'll suss this out later if I got the wrong guy, but you guys are going to know you're not knocking my captain down, you know, not without a callback, not without some other clapback. So, yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> the wrong dude, but it is what it is in today's NHL. And he got six games for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff, too, that would have been, like, in, in the 80s and 90s, in the 70s, 80s, like, they were giving out misconducts and game misconducts like candy, and I think that's why you get, like, some of these guys get, you know, double game misconduct, you know, and they're like, oh, man, yeah. you got 40 minutes in penalties last night. <laughs> well, that was, like, the other night, well, a couple of weeks back, Florida and whoever, they're like the one the ref gets on there. He gives every guy on the ice a ten minute misconduct. Yeah. Of course, everybody's going on. Oh yeah, what a huge brawl! And I've I've never heard of that before. I'm oh, like, there was God. one fight. I'm like, that's embarrassing, is what that was. Like, no, there were sixty minutes in penalties. Like, really? And then you watch, you're like, what for this scrum? <laughs> like, okay, all right. But yeah, like I, it's like I wouldn't have given half those guys a penalty. I would have just told them to get Not off the all. ice. You know, it's exactly. like, but Not everybody's just like, "Oh, it was awesome!" And I'm like, "What is awesome about uh, watching no ten guys get ten minute misconducts?" It's like this is boring <laughs> as shit. Right. You know, yeah, right? Take ninety dollars to slap the the glass when these guys are all hugging each other. <laughs> yeah, like I don't get it. Yeah. But um, well, I know we're kind of we're going all over the place here. I wanted to go back yeah. and just touch on something that you had mentioned. Sure. Well, it's something that I have found. Um, like obviously, I haven't done that. I need to get on this hockey. I need to get on this newspapers.com. I need to get down that rabbit hole. But it's, it's uh, or, it is. It is yeah. a total. Way. It's a brand new way to piss away a lot of time. Yeah, I'll tell you that. it's not hard at all. Everyone opens a new door, and you're like, "Whoa, off someplace else." Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, but I have, I've seen, like, I have Yuka. Yuka, I know you're listening out in Finland. He sends me, like, if I, especially if I'm going to interview a guy. He'll go through oh, the newspaper. Cool. He'll look up stuff, and everyone's like, oh, he'll that's throw. Great. Well, it's been cool because, that, especially the minor league guys, right? And he'll throw out yeah. like, "Oh, you read something from like you know whatever the Knoxville Gazette," and I bring yeah, it up to the guy on the air, and he's like, "How the hell do you know about that?" And it's like, you know, because this is like from 1989 <laughs> yeah. or something, right? And it's like, well, newspapers dot com. But what it I was, was gonna just say, hyper regional game for years, hyper yeah. regional, you know. Well, yeah. and that's the thing, right? And I was gonna say to go back to the how thing. When we're talking about, and we're, you know, greatest hockey legend guy here talking about all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I had talked to Steve about this very article here. And I was kind yeah. of mentioning 22 fights. And if you read this and he was, and he said the same thing. Well, yeah, but it's interesting. He said when, whatever example we'll use when he, the Flamin fight. Okay. So you yeah. go mm-hmm. and you read the Detroit paper. Oh, well, Gordy beat the fuck out of him. Right. But then you read the <laughs> Toronto paper. Yeah. Oh, firm manhandle them, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. okay. So, like you said, they're. It's like anything in life, right? It's like <clears throat> the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, and Absolutely. you're, and that, and yep. that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Even if you go back, well, I went back and on newspaper, and I, I did the research. 
Well, you did, but it's like you did part of the research. Right? Yeah, and it's like all you and like you said, all you can rely on. You're relying on the guy that rode on the train back with to Detroit with Gordy. And, right. You know, so it's like, right. wow, so it's his writes, description. And like, oh, slam and kick Gordy's ass up and down the ice. You think he's going to get a quote from Gordy the next game? Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> there, but you know, there's not a lot of those. There's not a lot of those. Like, well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, did you find, like, if you looked no. at both papers, did they somewhat match? Like, cause Steve was kind of saying they yeah. pretty much matched up pretty good they in do. terms of the they description. They really do. They really do. I mean, there's some different phrases, and I got into it with somebody a couple weeks ago. It was talking about like, well, Barclay Plager beat him up, and I, and I said, no, he didn't, you know. And then I said, like, this is what happened, and they said, well, he let him, uh, he helped him up. I said, no, he like you can look at different newspaper references, and they all say that he let Gordy up. I said, but he didn't help him up. And I said, and there's a difference between letting somebody up and helping somebody up. I said, but let, you can definitely see in the dispatch that like, yeah, they they tussled, and Barclay Plager, for whatever reason, let Gordy Howe up, and in one paper. Barclay Plager fires off a couple shots. In the other paper, Gordie Howe fires off a They both fire off shots, but Gordie Howe's shots stop Plager, and he decides he doesn't want anymore. So, you know, I mean, yeah, like you said, and you, you, you do it enough, and you look, and you're like, all right, so the crux is, like, this was a fight. And, you know, there's no instant replay. Like, the guys who are watching it have to go off what they're seeing. And I'm yeah. thinking about, like, games that I saw. And, and you know, I think – you got to factor in, like, some of it's just an unreliable narrator. Like, there's the human element. And, you know, I, I think sometimes about, like, uh, when I'm watching, I think it's the, the famous one is, like, uh, Probert fighting Dave Manson. And he's, oh, and Mickey just loses it. Oh, he knocked him down. You know, and then you watch in the replay, it's like, oh, he actually never touched him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Manson lost his footing. But then you don't have that replay. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, well, remember, I saw I saw Probert just knock Dave Manson out. Like, yeah? You know what I mean? Like, so some of these guys, they got it, they're going off these things, and they're up in gondolas. I mean, they got good perches, but it's not like they can go back and watch the film. It's not like the television, we're going to replay it at 11. You know, the game will be replayed at 11. I, I, you know, I'm, by the way, we were watching the same, the, the Avs versus the Red Wings, March 27, 1996. And we're watching that in the bar. By the time the game's over, like they're starting to replay it at ten, and we're all staying there again. Woo! You know, <laughs> like we're watching it again, and but there was nothing like that. So, no, I haven't found a whole lot of glaring what I would call homerism. You know, I always think it's funny when people give Turk shit about his Boston home cause. Like, who do you think's cutting checks for this dude? You think he's going to be talking about like oh, that was a fair fight? Yeah. <laughs> or the bunch like, no, man, he's a homer. Like they're all homers. A big whistle. All those guys are homers. Like because they're riding, they're get, they're riding on that gravy train. You know, I don't see too many glaring instances. I was talking to, to Nick Mara about one that I had seen recently. It didn't have to do with Gordy Howe, but it was about Battleship Kelly. And in the Atlanta paper, he's fighting Pat Quinn. And in the Atlanta paper, they give it to Pat Quinn. And then in the Pittsburgh paper, of course, it's Kelly's victory. And so you don't see this too often, but this is pretty glaring. And, you know, they, like these guys also wrote these things. They were under the impression that at best it ends up on microfiche in some nerd's library. But there's no way there's going to be some nerd 50 years later like me geeking out at 1 in the morning reading it on a personal computer. You know, they're writing this shit and they're not expecting anybody's going to verify anything or they're going to look into anything. Like, it's done. It's it's written and it's off into the ether after that, you know? Yeah, so, well, and, the, and, they're, and they're writing it for Pittsburgh's fans. 
I'm the Pittsburgh yeah, reporter. That's who's going to be reading it. The people of Pittsburgh. You got it. So it's you not like it. it's not it. like somebody out in Detroit's going to start yelling, "Oh bullshit! Right. I was there!" <laughs> right. Like no, right. they won't right. even know it existed, right? So right. Well, I happen to subscribe to the Pittsburgh Gazette. That's not what happened. Right? Exactly. Like, right. Like yeah. No. So the so yeah. the hometown fans read it. Oh yeah. See, our guy kicked his ass. Battleship Absolutely. anchors away, right? Like Absolutely. you know. Yeah. So then, for the rest of that yeah. guy's life. All of a sudden, he gets on the fried chicken message board of the hockeyfights.com. Yeah, the one night Battleship Kelly, oh, he beat the shit out of Pat Quinn. Yeah. Well, how do you know? I know because my dad told me, you know, or whatever. Well, dad read it in the paper on the way to work, right? You know, so it's like, well, did he? I guess, you know, according to that writer, he did. But funny, we talked to the guy down in Atlanta. You know, it's just like, so. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's you just the take it all for yeah, yeah. You take it all with a grain of salt, and you just and again you you like this is the what you have that's available. It's uh, you know it, it, there is no absolute truth. You just got to take a look at it and kind of make up your own mind and piece it together with what's available out there. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think you just have to be, you know at this point when you go back that far, I think with Gordy or <clears throat> well, yeah. a lot of those guys, you know, in the well up till about the eighties, I guess it's like. You know, it's, um, you just sort of take for granted, or just take that it happened, and this is, yeah. you know, and they fought, and we'll leave it at that. I mean, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's funny, even when you talk to the fan, like, you know, guys do their top tens and do their lists, and I had a guy the other, well, a while ago, I can't remember what I, was it a top ten? I can't remember what I did. I did a top ten, or something, whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I can't believe you don't have gas off in there. And I was like, well, and he goes, do you know how tough Bob Gasoff was? And I'm like, I don't. I've right. heard. I've I read. I really wish I did. Yeah. I said, I like, what is there literally, what, three videos of him? Like, I, said, I know. But I said to him, I said, well, I'm looking at your profile. I said, you're younger than I am. So how do you know Bob Gasoff was so great, dad, right? Well, exactly. Dad, His dad told, yeah. well, yeah, but I also know you live in Swift Current. So where were you right. seeing Bob Gasoff fight? <laughs> oh, well, my dad right, back in the day right, went to right. Medicine Hat Tiger Games and he saw Gasoff fight in junior. Okay, well, yeah, that doesn't translate. Before he even got there. Well, yeah, and I'm like, well, I saw a million fights in Saskatoon going to junior games in the 90s. I can tell you what I think I saw, but I'm sure if I went back and saw the game tape or, or actually saw the fight, yep. I'd be like, wow, man, you know. Wade Belock didn't beat that guy as mad as I thought he did back in the day, right? But it's totally, like, yeah. so I'm like, it's really I, hard. Like, I just looked at some ticket stubs this week. I just found some ticket stubs, and I found one from uh, the Wings versus the Oilers in 87. And I went back and looked at it, and there's a game like Kosher and Messier sort of get into it, but then there was uh, Kosher and McClellan fight, and McClellan's head gets bloodied when they hit the ice. But when we were in the crowd, we all thought Kosher, and we want it. And that's the other thing. Like, we wanted to believe that Kosher did it. Yeah. So it was easy to believe that he did, you know? But yeah. I went back, and I was looking at these ticket stubs, and I was like, man, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything about this game. No, <laughs> exactly. I to be like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember you totally, yeah, he did this, 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 and this. Like, man, I don't remember what I, yeah, exactly. No. Well, I, I, I've brought this up a couple times. It always cracked me up, like, going back to the old fight message boards, the fried chicken days. You'd have these guys... <laughs> 
Oh, right. Describe blow for blow a fight they saw in 74 at MSG. And I always notice, though, their guys seem to win all the time in their recollections as yeah. well. Like, yeah. oh, Fatio, oh, he grabbed me through two rights, then he switched up and threw a left-handed hook, and it's like, really? Like, you know, meanwhile, somebody else is looking up, and it's like, what game? I can't even find that fight yeah. in the box score. Like, what are you talking I about? Know you know, and yeah, it's just like, yeah. well, because there was no, there was no, Back, especially, well, back in the fright, like in 2000, there was no newspapers.com, but if you went to the library maybe and looked it up, but I mean, no one right. was, no one was really like doing that. Yeah, like no one was really doing that. So it's like, well, everybody just <laughs> took, oh, this guy's a respected poster. He wouldn't lie. Well, it's not exactly. about lying, but it's more just. Because like you said, fallibility, like what we want to see. And we're, yeah. And we're more inclined to believe these things. Well, I said, yeah, Jesus, like, I said, I mean, like, I love Wendell Clark, but I see people on the board, like, he had, you know, 97 knockouts. Like, come on. Some yeah. of knockouts. <laughs> like, guys are, like, you guys are pretty generous with the TKO calls. Yeah. Know? Well, I was giving Chris the other day shit for that. He was talking about when Clark dropped Neely. I'm like, well, Neely's got his gloves still on. I'm like, I mean, I get, I guess he did, but it's like, I, I don't know if I'd be. Oh, I love that. I don't My know if I'd be. Quick. Your guy was a jumper. My guy, he's just quick. Your guy's a jumper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I'd be trumpeting that as a TKO, but I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I love those pictures where a guy's landing a punch and the other guy's glove is just at his wrist or just dangling or something. Yeah. I'm like, really? We're going to call this? Like, it is what it is. But I'm like, we're like, man, he, he dropped him. Like, well, he got a, he's got a free shot. <laughs> well, it's amazing. I mean, not just, I mean, you can put up a fight video and you'll get 10 different calls. And it's like I the know. video's right here. Like, are you not watching? Like, these guys will just, yeah. Watching? And I'm watching yeah. this video yeah. and mm-hmm. it's like, all right. I have no, I, like, it's amazing to me what people see. And it's like, I don't see what you want. To see. Oh, it's yeah. like a man. It's a study into human, uh, the human psyche. It's like, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's literally, yeah, it's like a social experiment. It's like, I'm going to put yeah. this up and yeah, if you're from Philly, the flyer guy won. And it's like, or if you're from Boston, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like, wow. You know, and it's yeah. just, I mean, I think it, like nine out of 10 of my posts or 9.9. If my posts on hockey fights, all I'm saying is like, Stephen Darren fought December 14th, 2024, yep. you know, at the Spectrum, and that's it. And then it just goes off from there. I remember that fight. Steve dropped Darren. Like, you're an idiot. Darren had his head over his shoulder over, like, whatever. Like, yep. it goes off. Like, what do you get? Oh, yeah. oh, Steve wasn't tied, tied down, and he jumped him, you right. know? So, that you know, so it's <laughs> like, all right, you know, it's just, yeah, it's amazing. And it's, but, no. yeah. One of the things I think is super cool about this is, and to kind of go back to is like, uh, like a guy like Steve Ream is just kind of in the vanguard. Like there just isn't any, there's, what is that guy's name? He's like a hockey historian, like Paul Pacatu or something like that. I see him on some of these pages and he just looks like he's the guy that everybody goes to as like, he's the hockey fight, you know, guru. And, and he's older than you and I, and he has access to players. And I posted a picture of Dick Duff getting pushed into a penalty box. Like that's Harry Howell. I asked him one time and he said, I know I pushed him in. But, and you know, in my mind, I'm like, Cool story, bro. But like, yeah. how the hell do I know if that happened? <laughs> well, that's. I was gonna say when we were talking about the how thing. I mean, somebody yeah. back on one of the fight sites actually sat down with Fern Flamin and talked to him. And Flamin's mm-hmm. kind of like just just basically put the mouth to how he's like, oh fuck that guy, you know. Like I always beat him every you time. Know, you know what I mean? There's a quote that he's like, "Man, we went at it tooth and nail, but we never fought," you know. And, and he's like, 
He's like, I wanted to. I wanted him to fight, but he wouldn't fight me. You know, yeah. I was like, man, it says on this thing that you guys fought three times. But yeah. it probably wasn't what Flamin wanted, which was a wide-open exchange, you know. Yeah. And I could see that, you know. And But, yeah, I mean, again, that's the failability. Because in, our, in our, our, the, the page we talked about earlier, they're fighting three times. But there's a quote that he says, man, no, we didn't fight. And, and you know, and I'm sure they did. I, I believe that they did fight, but they were just so inconsequential in Flamin's mind. And, yeah. you know, it's so far after the fact that he was like, man, it just didn't register. It wasn't like fighting Richard. Or, I mean, you know, the other thing, too, is like these guys, for the most part, they kind of were squaring up and throwing punches at each other. There wasn't a whole lot of grabbing on. And, you know, they'd hit the ice. But, I mean, for the most part, that was like they were kind of – my understanding is that so many of these guys coming up through school and in Canada, like boxing was a part of kind of gym, what we call gym class here. And that, that was like these guys like Andy Baskin, Red Kelly, you know, Red Kelly, you like, man, Red Kelly, you look at his pictures and this guy's throwing haymakers and he's fighting everybody. And like Red Kelly was a boxer, you know, but in the NHL he's getting, you know, he's a lady bing with her. Well, yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause yeah, what Steve was talking about here, uh, in this article, and it's and it's true because I actually talked to my dad about this and stuff. It was like, yeah, one of the key education things here in Canada, uh, especially with the males, was like in phys ed, cadets at community centers and stuff like that. There was a real focus on self defense training because this yeah. and, and boxing was part of the athletic program in a lot of schools and in high schools and boys clubs, like the Y I and all that stuff. Those that. were big yeah. back in the day, right? So a lot of exactly. ju- like a lot of young men, teenagers, and stuff boxed now i'm not saying oh they all got in the ring and went to try it out for the gold gloves <laughs> but in phys ed you learned to like you know jab and defense and throw punches exactly and so yeah, it was exactly. like so and then like you said and then a lot of these guys of course go on to play hockey well yeah they might not have been in air quotes you know pugilists or fighters but they right. had thrown punches in and boxed and had some frame of reference anyway yeah to, to yeah, how to throw a punch properly team. Right, they're tucking their chins and they're yeah. throwing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah, you read about it and you see like the Richard brothers. Like they'll talk about it like that. Like man, we grew up in gym class. Like like it wasn't like these guys were. Uh, I mean, you got a guy like Randy Holt, and he'll tell you like, yeah, he he took boxing class. He's also a street fighter, but that that's the rarity. It's like it wasn't like most of these guys were coming out. A lot of them had a little crossover, but most of them just had the background of like, hey, we learned how to do this in gym class or in phys ed or whatever it was, and. Again, back then, like almost those guys, almost all of them fought at least once or twice a year just to show that they would. Some of them fought more. Some of them, you know, probably didn't have to. But at least once or twice a year, almost everybody's dropping the gloves just to say, like, hey, there's a limit to how much shit I'm going to take out here. You know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, there's people spot picking all over the place. Like, I, I'm looking at John Ferguson's fight card. I'm like, I don't even know who the hell half these guys are. Alex Faulkner. And I'm looking at, like, oh, he's 5'8", 170 pounds. You know, and then I'm reading about like Ferguson going after Mike Corrigan, which I think is funny because there's you know there's a picture of like Larry Robinson like ragdolling Mike Corrigan. <laughs> what the hell was wrong with Mike Corrigan in the seventies? <laughs> poor dude playing for the Kings. But like in this clip, in these newspaper clips, Ferguson's getting razzed from I think it's a Canuck bench at the time, saying like, why aren't you messing with Rosie? Why don't you want to go with Paymont? You know, and Fergie's saying like, who the hell has he ever fought? And then goes up and beats up Corrigan. You know, like. I mean, I and Robinson when he when he's fighting, who's he fighting? He fought Cork, but there's some other guy. 
you know, and, and he's talking to the newspaper. He's like, ah, it's just frustrated. So I took it out on him. Like, if Robinson's the ultimate badass, he's going to seek out the other ultimate badass. Instead, he found, like, you know, some other poor fourth-line punter, with Greg Polis or whoever the hell it was. Yeah, <laughs> Tracy know? Pratt, you're getting it tonight, you know. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, sorry for you, buddy. Yeah. Well, and like you said, right, and yeah. that goes back to what we were talking about before. It was an appointment fighting back then. It was like, right. I'm pissed off now. I'm grabbing right. this guy, and I'm going to make an example out of you. Exactly. and Because exactly. these guys weren't exactly. thinking 40 years down the line, oh, boy, a couple of idiots on a podcast are going to say I was a spot totally, bigger, totally, you know? Totally. Right, right, right. You know, and, and I think there's also, like, there's it's fascinating when television gets introduced because, like, players will say, like, man, you used to get your ass kicked on the regular and be like, no big deal. But now you're like, man, I don't want this being broadcast back to Timmins or wherever the hell it's going. <laughs> my whole, everybody's in the bar and my dad's sitting there watching it like, oh, good, good show, Steve. Way to go. <laughs> well, you, you know, as you mentioned that, you know what's so funny? I had Wade Brookbank on this show and Wade Brookbank said that. He goes, you want to know what my biggest motivator was when I was fighting? All my friends can watch YouTube and it's forever yeah. on, and it's forever, my fights oh, are forever yeah. on YouTube, right? Cause he goes, cause yeah. he's part of that next thing where it, everything you do is televised. So all of yeah. Wade Brookbank's fights yeah. in the NHL are on YouTube. So he goes, I didn't yeah. ever want to get my ass kicked cause the boys would be texting me, but before no, I even got kidding. back into the locker room, my phone would be blowing up. No kidding. You know, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. they're going to bust I mean your balls, Paul right? Hogan. I'm reading about Paul Hogan fighting Dave Langevin and they're Minnesota boys and, he, and he's laughing after the game. He's like, I told Dave our dads are back over in uh, St. Paul at a bar right now watching. And I'm thinking, like, you know what? They probably were. <laughs> you know, yeah. They probably were back then. Yeah. Like, it just wasn't, yeah. I mean, it just wasn't. I remember I went to Winnipeg and was visiting friends there one time. And this was in the late, or the early 90s. And the guy said, oh, you're from Detroit? And I said, yeah. He said, we got highlights. And I was like, what the hell? Like, he, they had a satellite dish. And they were beaming in Detroit, <laughs> you know, in Winnipeg. And he was talking about, like, he was using one of the Detroit uh, newscasters, um, uh, like, catchphrases, you know? And, like, and I was like, man, this whole, there's the, I love to think about, like, those early days of, like, I don't know how far back you go or if you were even a taper of, like, man, we were taping stuff off the television and then we were getting a VCR. Oh, yeah. Like, like renting a VCR to put that on top and taping that off of there. And, you know, I talked a little bit to Vince Carroll, Vin Diggity, because uh, he and I are buds and he's just been doing this for years. And he, he's a kid that was living out in Arizona. And his dad, I think he's an East Coast kid originally, but then his dad, when they move out to Arizona, I was like, man, I missed a Bruins game. We're getting a satellite dish. So, Vince has been taping games for years, you know, and uh, I got the same games everybody else does because I could only just get Channel 9 or whatever the wings were. (laughs) I don't think I've got anything unique, but um, it was still just a different time, but it just wasn't, it wasn't something that was like readily available. You know, I used to, I think about like hockey voting for awards and like, so you're telling me like the writers in Winnipeg are, are watching the guys on the East Coast or the writers in Winnipeg are watching the guys on the East Coast, but you know that the writers in Boston aren't watching the guys in Winnipeg. <laughs> no. Like, they don't care about it. Well, that's that. the amazing thing. Like even in the 80s and 90s, like when we talk about, because I mean, we're fight guys, right? So with our fight tapes yes. and everything else, there's shit all for Winnipeg and Vancouver footage. Yeah, there was nothing yep, because I, I can remember when I grown up here in Western Canada. I mean, the only th- we didn't have a dish. The only thing we got was hockey night in Canada, and this was in the yep. '80s. So in the early, the yep. fir- there was two games, well, three games. Yep. You'd get the you'd get the Canadians on the French Channel, or, uh, and yep. then you'd yep. get the Leafs. The early game was Toronto, 
And then the late game was the Oilers because it was the 80s yeah. Oilers with Gretzky. So they were always going to be yeah. on. So if the Oilers played Vancouver, <laughs> it's part of the Smythe. You saw them then or in Winnipeg because yeah. of Gretzky, our yeah. Chuck, that whatever. But I mean, it wasn't all yeah. oh, hockey night in Canada, Winnipeg versus Vancouver. No, that, that wasn't, right. ha- that wasn't happening. It was Edmonton no. or Battle of Alberta. <laughs> and of course, back yeah. then, yeah. less teams. So they're going to schedule it. Oh, well, who's our marquee game Saturday night on hockey night in Canada? Well, it's going to be Calgary Edmonton. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah, remember watching either. Vancouver very much, or I. All the only time we, again, what we ever did was when you know we visited my grandma in Vancouver. Then we saw the Canucks. Yeah. So all you yeah. had to hope for back then for the tape traders, or it's like you just hoped there was a guy in Vancouver. Well, I know Tony was out there. Holy. I mean, you just hoped yeah, that there was holy. someone recording uh, Canucks stuff, or in Winnipeg yeah. getting the Jets. Because other than that, no one's seeing this stuff. You know, right, right. It was such a yeah. Like we say, we go keep going. It looks so hyper regional. Yeah, yeah. I remember you know getting my first fight tape and having it not be just Detroit or Hockey Night in Canada and being like, holy cow! Like there's people out there that are just just have access to different stuff. And you know, first year I lived in North Dakota, I I didn't know this, but they were um, you know they got like some Minnesota sports station. So I watched all of that uh, the the year that the Stars made their run to the you know their miracle run to the Cup finals. But really, I'm watching Basil and Shane McRae, or Shane Sherlock, and, you know, I was a Basil fan from the Battle of Quebec, because I liked Quebec, and I was bummed out when the Wings traded him. But I'm like, man, these two are, like, I didn't, I wouldn't have known, I wouldn't have had near the appreciation for Chainsaw if I hadn't got to see him almost every night in Minnesota, you know? Like, I would have known, like, oh, man, that guy can scrap, because he was one of the first guys on one of those fight tapes, you know, him fighting uh, McGuire, you know? But then later on, I'm like, man, both these guys, and McRae's become a guy that you can put out there on a regular shift so and that was like well i was i thought i was in hog heaven because like man i know my guys back in detroit are taping wings games like i'm getting this stuff and i'm getting the you know the minnesota sports network or whatever and yeah yeah espn used to have a game on and it'd be like the weirdest time and the weirdest hours and it'd pop up on saturday usa network used to have but it'd be like you'd literally have to like trip across these things like it wouldn't be something that you would know it'd just be like oh i guess it's fun you know? so, well the, yeah. the thing that always used to get us mad especially here like in saskatoon which is really bizarre is for Kate, we had Detroit cable. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so we would get the W or the, the, the Detroit Tigers baseball games. Yeah. We'd get all their home games. Cause growing up when I was like 10 years old, like Lance Parrish was like my favorite guy. I love Lance oh, Parrish. Man. Awesome. Well, the roar of 84, man. Right. So, that's oh, we team, had, man. Those are my teams. Yeah. I had a Tigers hat and everything. They were my team. Cause right I was, on. oh, I was nine years old, roar of 84, yeah. Lou and Kirk Gibson, a trammel and shit, uh, Daryl Evans. Like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I love it. I love it. But come the winter, they didn't have Red Wings games on. No, so, so we no, never saw Probert no. and Coat, which pissed. Oh, we all wanted man. to see. Well, I mean, hockey and Kevin, when they played Toronto, then you would see. Well, more yeah. Coaster early on for us because, of course, he was a Saskatoon Blade, so we knew yeah, him, yeah. we knew him from going on. We didn't. I didn't know mm-hmm. who Probert was because he was an OHL guy. And again, no internet. He back wasn't in. making any waves. He wasn't making any waves. He wasn't like uh, there was. Uh, he didn't come with any heralded rep out of juniors. Was being some like massive destroyer of men like he had he had a couple of high profile fights with Baumgartner in the memorial cup finals yeah. and the, but no i mean it wasn't like he was laying people out left and right you know nobody nobody knew what we were getting with him really when he came into camp robert probert 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you do that to your kid, man? Robert Probert. That's I know. A, that's a rough <laughs> handle. Just a le- you're a letter away from being Probert Probert. <laughs> yeah, you know, especially if your handwriting's bad. You know, yeah, yeah totally right. You know, right. Yeah. so we didn't really see Probert. Well, at that time too, when he first came, I was like 11, 12 years old. So it was it was more like into that grade seven, grade eight, grade nine into high school, kind of that late eighty, early nineteen ninety. Well, all of a yeah. sudden, it's like you start because we'd get high like news, sports channel, uh, you mm-hmm. know, at eleven o'clock, and again, yep. you saw the Clark Probert fights, and again, going Wendell from Saskatoon here, it's like holy shit, this yeah. guy kind of like manhandled our guy Wendell, you know, and it's like so you right. start reading that about this, yeah. well, and you start reading about this Bob Probert in Detroit, like this guy's the baddest dude, right? So then it's like okay, well, I got to start getting some fight tapes or something of this guy. So I always tell the, of course, the first fight tape I ever got was the Bruce Brothers, Probert and Goser, right? Yeah. So, and then it was like, <laughs> yeah. holy shit, right? It was like the, yeah. I mean, I knew who Coaster was, but it was like, you know, again, but it wasn't yeah. like we were seeing all his NHL stuff. Right. Again, right. if it was on right. Hockey Night in Canada, you did, like, whatever. But it was like, other than that, not really. And they'd show some fights on the news every once in a while, but it was like yeah. two or three punches. It wasn't like they were showing the whole thing. You yeah, know? yeah, you know, rough night at the Joe or whatever, and you'd get a six-second clip or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Very, very seldom did they put up the whole thing. So it was like, okay, you got, yeah. a, you got a taste of it. It wasn't until I really started, like, well, ended up finding a, friend of a cousin or whatever started like oh here you should check these out and they were like actual fight tapes and you start putting those in and they were two hours of like like everybody right so it was like holy shit now i'm actually seeing like mcsorley out in la and coaster and probert and and like and then you start getting older stuff then you start making trades and it's like yeah oh i'm hearing who's this glenn cochran right it's like oh yeah Yeah. you know and then oh then you start getting some guy Thankfully, somebody back then, you know, got the seventies, got that all that Bruins stuff, you know, and, yeah, and yeah, the Flyers, the New stuff. England sports network, yeah, yeah. And, the, and you know, and I think you, you and I are, are similar. I think in that, like, I was a steady hockey card collector. So some yep. of these guys, like, you know, all I know about Jimmy Mann is what I see on the nineteen eighty yep. penalty minute leaders. Like some of these guys, I never see except for being on the penalty minute leader cards. So I'm like, I don't even know who some of these guys are. You know, yeah. And, yeah, to see him in real life, and I remember, uh, oh man, I don't remember what guy. Maybe it's Terry Murray, whoever it was. Like Jack McElhargy comes up, and they're like, "Man, where do these guys? Where's Philly getting these guys from? Like, where are they yeah. going these guys from? You know?" And back then, like those guys would more or less less like play the role. They looked the role, man. That was all part of like the the uh, theater of the event. Was like, man, they're looking like badasses. Like yeah. they're looking like they're smoking menthols in the locker room <laughs> well yeah like and it's so funny like you like all of those old junior cards and like you put up the saskatoon blades card of dave brown well he looks like he's 28 you know and it's like but now you put up the saskatoon blades cards these kids look like they're 14 you know i know i know man i know it's wild <laughs> yeah but uh yeah. i was gonna say yeah with the um no i completely blanked out of what it, what, it, what was i gonna say Hockey cards or... Yeah, it was something with, it was something with footage. Well, it was just like, like you said, yeah, it was like you didn't see any... Well, the only time you ever kind of really got, like you said, with the hockey cards, looking at those, or at the end of the year, you got the Hockey News Annual. 
And they yeah. had all the stats yeah. from the minors and the NHL, all the final stats. You yeah. read through it, and it's like, you know, Kevin Evans, 648 penalty. Who oh is this gosh. person? You'd look right? at that, and you'd be like, how the hell do you even do that? How yeah. is that even possible? Like yeah. the minor league stuff was actually the, even the more bizarre to me, because now these guys oh, are yeah. putting up 500 yeah. minutes, and it's like, where where is <laughs> Mus- right. where is Muskegon? Would, you know, I don't know yeah, what that totally, is. Totally, totally. Yeah. And then, I, you know, and I am, I'm a Michigan kid, and now I'm like, man, these guys will go to war. Like, Michigan. And like Muskegon versus Port Huron, you know, in a home and away series, and, and like, man, I was, I have no, I had no idea of like what kind of wars those were at that level, at that tier, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights with these guys riding the bus, Kevin Kerr with these guys riding the bus yeah. for years and just going to war. I loved looking and like I loved in those annuals or whatever it was. You'd be like Paul Higgins, nineteen games, like one hundred and twenty minutes. You know, like he wouldn't even play enough that you actually know who he was. You're like, what the hell? Ha- how did that happen? You're like, and Paul Higgins has got to have like the highest games to bench clearing brawl ratio of anybody that ever played. Well, it was funny, yeah, because he was on a list that I did the other day with the lead or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I don't even, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, I'm like, I've heard the name, oh, but I, yeah. but I kind of, oh, I did, well, I didn't know the myth. And the, or the not the myth, but the stories yeah. behind oh, it. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, my buddy Nate yeah. sent me this thing, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he's like this teenager, <laughs> this cre-, and he's sending me like news clips of like, yeah. oh yeah, like mm-hmm. this guy was just like insane, right? And just absolutely, absolutely. And he was like one of those last guys. And here's the thing, then, like think about like how many of those guys populate the minor leagues. Like how many of those yeah. guys didn't quite make it to the to the show or to the National League, but they're out there doing that at that minor league level. You get a guy like Daniel Shank. You remember him? He was oh, like yeah. a wing for a couple of years and you're like, how does he get 257 minutes? <laughs> you know, and then he's getting 400 minutes in San Diego in the IHL or whatever. Yeah. Like it's just like crazy to think about and you watch that stuff and you're like oh yeah that that couldn't exist today like there's no way that you can have that sport exist like that today where people would just yeah where they would put up where they would accept that like it's just it's too far removed from those kind of bench clearing brawl days where you could polack somebody or whatever it was it's not in the fabric of the game so much anymore so that when it does happen like you said with whatever ridiculousness list that was last week i think ottawa and florida like oh my god they all got he handed out 60 minutes of penalties like yeah for about 10 minutes of actual penalties <laughs> oh yeah like i would say when yeah. i go to work and there's a couple we got a couple 19 20 year old young guys working <laughs> oh and they just think like this was just like oh it's just mayhem and i'm yep. like are you Blood serious Blood. like oh yeah it's like <laughs> come on you guys like so i'll show them some stuff on youtube and like their jaws hit the table like they can't they can't wrap their minds around not only guys fighting like that but just like the the amount of fights like i'm like oh yeah this guy had like 30 fights one year and they're just looking at you like like 30 fight one guy and it's like yeah right. you know and it was just yeah. like right and they just can't yeah. wrap their heads around it and like and like you said that's yep. just the nhl guys let alone i mean you yep. want to go into the minors and you you know i'll, I'll bring up some 05 lnh stuff if you want that'll really blow your minds if you want to see oh, some I'll real I'll, I'll show you patrick yeah, cote and joel terrio you know yeah. but it's like you know I'll you want to task or send you think that was crazy you know like you know, yeah, show, yeah, right, right. Show right. some Mel Engelstad yeah. footage and shit. It's like oh, yeah. I love Mel. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. I know nothing about that. Like I never weigh in on any of that stuff because, like, for better or for worse, from where I was in Detroit, I was pulling Channel Nine out of Windsor. I was pulling Channel Thirty Four out of Montreal, and I was getting the Detroit stuff. But I wasn't. I just didn't. It was minor league hockey wasn't on my radar. I would go watch the Spits in Windsor. But that was even that was in my mind that was different. Like I didn't think it was better than anything else. It was just different. Like there wasn't. 
There just wasn't minor league hockey like that around. And, you know, when I was a kid, my dad, he loved hockey. So that's how I got into it. And he would take me down. Like, we, I, I, like a lot of kids, I felt baseball was my first love. I loved baseball, and the Tigers were good. And so that dovetailed easily. Well, when the Tigers got good, it got harder to go see games. Uh, Pistons move out to wherever the hell, Pontiac, and I got the wings downtown. And nobody wants to go downtown in Detroit in 1980. But my dad is uh, – He's not put out by that at all. And we'd go down the night of the game and we'd get tickets and you know, we'd buy wherever it was the tickets were for and we'd go down like we'd go down and on the glass. And I'm watching Joe Patterson and I'm watching Motor City Smitty and they were so bad there. And like, yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Barry Melrose, like I got Barry like I knew Barry Melrose as like yeah, he's the Wings Enforcer. Like, oh no, Jim Corn or Willie Huber who makes UA Croup look like Gladiator, you know, like, oh man. Um, they were just bad. And I tell people all the time, like, yeah, when Eisenman got drafted, that was a big deal. But you got to understand, it was Probert and Kosher just as much, if not more, that was putting butts in the seat. Like, Illich was giving out a car a night, you know. And we would go down there. I talked to my friend about it all the time. Like, we would go down there, and we'd each have our own row. And I remember one time I was sitting there, and I was talking to my friend. We looked down, and the guy rolled down from us. On his program, he had a bag of weed out and was rolling a joint. And this was like a Red Wing game, <laughs> you know, like 1983 or whatever. But it was like one of those things like, yeah, nobody's going, man. It's downtown Detroit. People are scared. And the wings suck. And you go, the best time to go would be when the Leafs would roll in or a Canadian team because the place would fill up and, like, Leafs fans would come because they couldn't get into the cathedral. So they'd, you know, come to Detroit. And, uh it would be rowdy right from the get-go, you know, when the National Anthem would be amped up. It would be like, it would be a big deal. It was fun. But those were some lean years, and it was Probert and Kosher just as much as Iserman that started putting butts back in the seat, you know, and, and Demir's. I, I did, uh, I was looking at fights, and I was like, man, I wonder how many Probert fights I saw. And on the tickets that I could find, not many, and I was like, oh, I saw him fight Lee Norwood, and I'm watching that like, yeah, I don't remember anything about that. That's a total snooze fest. Like, <laughs> that's not in the memory at all. Like, two guys wrestling for 15 seconds. So that's my big, uh, I saw Probert live. <laughs> I was going to say, on all your, uh, in your, did you ever run into Probert? Like, personally? You ever have a no, conversation no, with him? No, I had a friend. No, I felt like there were times, especially in the late 80s, uh, 80, like 88, 89, I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't hunting him, but I felt like we weren't far behind each other because there was only so many places, and he was such a larger-than-life presence. And I, I did, I, I may have said this to you before, I did have a friend that used an ATM machine, and his card was in there. And he, like, however it worked, he got a hold of, like, I think at the time, you know, nobody's got phones or anything. I think he, he somehow got a hold of somebody at the Joe, and they went down there. And, of course, it ended up being, like, one of those stories that nobody, uh, none of us knew at the time was happening all the time, but, like, Probert was awesome to him, you know, just treated him like he was the greatest in the, in the world. And, you know, like hey, give him stick, you know, gave him uh, a ticket to the show, like to the game. And was like, you know, just treated him like he was the best dude in the world. And we already loved him. So it wasn't a, it, no, I, I, you know, I had a, I had a teacher who in high school who was a border patrol guy. And uh, we talked about the incident when he got pulled over and he said, the deal was like, and he didn't pretend to be close enough to touch it. He's like, but the deal was like, this would happen enough. Like Probert would come over come back from Detroit, going into Windsor, wasted enough that this this one night, this guy was like, no, not not happening, not tonight. You know, he said, but he had such a larger-than-life presence. I don't I don't ever remember hearing anything about Joe Kosher. Well, I do, nothing nothing particularly good, but I don't remember. Like, Probert was like the life of the party wherever he went, you know, and, and like, people loved having that dude show up. So, I mean, I think that's the way it was all the way to the to the very end. Yeah. 
Yeah, from all accounts. Amazing. People yeah. say, like, oh, I can't believe he died. I can't, he died so young. It's like, I can't believe he lived that long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like, really, truly, like, you can't believe he died? Like, okay. I mean, well, like they he even had brought a massive up in, appetite for life. You know? Yeah, I mean, well, they even brought it up in that documentary, right? Like, imagine all the, th- yeah. all the things you did hear about him. Well, now imagine right. all the things you didn't hear about him. That they, exactly. that they covered that they covered exactly. up, you know. There are a lot right. of motorcycle exactly. and car accidents and everything else, and you know that's why yeah. we say that's the crazy oh, thing dude, about. And there's so much stuff like oh, that yeah. that you you look at now. Like you look at how why why Scott Stevens leave Washington, and then you look at how that went down. And you're like, oh man, there's this limo with an underage kid in it, and you're like, man. I didn't hear anything about that. Well, that never left Maryland in 1980. That's not, you know, that's yeah. not making it to Detroit in the news. And, like, there were things like that that happened. You know, you look at, like, Dougie Gilmore and his wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that guy, good luck. Good luck. You've been run out of the league today, you know, or, yeah. or uh, their attraction to babysitters, whatever it is. Like, it's not happening these days. So, Well, yeah, like, even back well, when we were growing up, it was, like, with the junior team here. It was just like, oh, yeah. oh, like with the junior kid, like you're talking teenagers now getting, of course, they're going to get yeah. drunk and get into street fights and, you know, totally. whatever. So yeah. you'd, oh, you'd mm-hmm. always hear about, especially you go back in the days like Twist and all them and Coaster were like bouncers in the summer at this bar as he's yep. here. And like they were beating the shit of guys, right? And like <laughs> Fakoda was just crazy in Saskatoon driving all over the place. And yeah, like, but they didn't, you didn't hear yeah. about the stuff. I guess it's like 1980, early 80s, right? So it's right. like, they're right. not going to run right. these guys right. down, right? Because it's like, oh, he's going Going to Red right. Wings camp in the in the winter in the fall here. So exactly. ah, we'll tell you what, just get out of here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. go home. You go home. Whatever. You know. Yeah. Nobody. Right. Whoever's getting stomped out uh, outside the bar isn't doesn't have five friends recording it. It's going to go to the you know the whoever the next day. <laughs> you just took your ass whooping and went home. Yeah. Went home. <laughs> yeah. It well, became a story for you to tell to other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I was saying, it's like we just said, right? That's the crazy thing. Imagine all the stories you heard about Link Gates. I said, imagine all the stories you didn't hear. Yeah, like if that's I know, that's I the know. crazy thing, right? It's just like I know. Yep. These guys totally. Live if that's nine, what made out exactly. I always lives, tell people man. that, like, I wouldn't want to be. I'm so glad that I, I kind of grew up when I did because so much of my stupidity existed prior to the internet. Yeah, I'm like, absolutely. oh man, I I want that stuff saved forever out there. Like I did enough dumb stuff. I don't need it to live forever so I kind of forgot that we were having a show I was just talking <laughs> yeah well here we are folks we've been recording you're in the the Steve and Darren conversation started with Gordy and ended with Detroit Cable and you know we're all over the place right, everything in between yeah. man I love it though I appreciate it and you know I didn't come on here like hunting for bear I just came on here thinking like you know I think if people if people look into Gordy and really look at it like you see like man this guy's legit he was a legitimate tough guy was he the baddest guy ever no but he was legitimately tough and like somebody like Gillies or as much as I hate like Lindros, somebody like that. Like if you stepped to him and you didn't know what you were doing, you you could get hurt, and that's that was legit. So no, and I mean um, I dig it, man. I appreciate it because, like I said, I've been very vocal on here about the myth yeah. of how, and it's like yeah, you know, and yeah, it's like yeah. no, and you're right, and I appreciate you know getting kind of called on the carpet about it. It's like well, yeah, but you know, and then it's like, and I know you and. The other Steve, when Pro, I'll just call him when Probert was king, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. have done 
real deep dive research. I mean, like I said, I've read a few newspapers. I've had guys send me stuff and I've read stuff and different accounts of things. But yeah, like you, I know you guys have been really deep into it. And I'm certainly, this is not going to be the last time. In fact, I want to get both you guys on at the same time. Cause, oh, and, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. And I really, I think we can, you and I will talk off air here, but I, I think there's that underrated thing I, I'm interested in. But I also yeah. want to yeah. talk to you yeah. about just some of the things that you've uh, discovered through your investigating yeah. on, on, uh, dot com. I'd love to. It has been a ton of fun. It has been so much fun and it's just brought out like so much stuff. And you're like, uh, I think there's just so much, there's such a wealth of, of knowledge out there and resources. Yes. And, you know, we all still miss, I, I know we miss drop your gloves. And I feel like, I think, I think, uh, when Prober is king, I think he's getting something like that going. Trying. And I'm hoping that a bunch of us can plug into that again and start to put some of this stuff out there. Because when I was a young kid, I loved to read, you know, Battleship Rules. Like the stuff that that guy would write was like, yeah. man, it was really well written. And it wasn't like he punched him in the face three times and he punched him in the face three times. You know, it was like there was, I yeah. like the context, man. I like to know what's going on. And and like you said, what's the backstory here? And yeah. where, how did this originate? Because none of it just happened in a vacuum, you know? And, and no, some of and, that's, and that's the real, it. that's the real sad thing when the, well, I've said before, when the, when the fight message boards went away, yeah. Fried chicken and hockeyfights.com and drop your gloves. Yeah. That is decades worth of history that is gone. True. So the only thing True. that's left now are these yeah. Facebook groups and it's, and it's like, oh. and, and you have YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think for a lot of things, it's, there's a lot of myth getting thrown around and just, well, I heard. Yeah. And then, but yeah. when you start, like you said, guys like yourself and when Probert was king and, and uh, Nick Mara and older guys and yeah. like, and I try to dig up some stuff and, and we try to, I would say, you know, try to educate the people, right? Like, and bring, yeah, and that's all you can do is just kind yeah. of point them to the stuff that exists out there and let them make up their own minds from that. But yeah. I mean, yeah. And, yeah, that, sure. and that's what I try to do with this ep- with these shows. I try to get people on to yeah. educate people, and then and I I love it too because I've never sat here on this show and ever oh do you listen to me I know everything oh no I don't I've no, got plenty either. of blind spots so the fact for you to come on and talk about the Gordy stuff it, this is great this is why I do the show this is exactly yeah. why I do this podcast it's for this reason I right love now. it. Yes. I love it. Me too. And I go into this like, I'm not a professor, you know, I'm looking at this like, man, there's so much for me to learn out there. And I went into this, uh, like I said, I, I'm an unabashed Gordia Howe fan. I love him. I think like there's enough truth that underpins the mythology and he's just such a great guy. Um, but I went into this wondering like, what's the reality with this and finding out like, man, there, there's some interesting stuff in this. And there, you know, I think it's, it's, we're just starting to, to really see the tip of the iceberg in terms of like what this, research and newspapers can do and how how we can use that to support anecdotes and, and you know the best is if there's video but you know we'll go with what we got and hopefully people will uh will will make their own opinion or if they don't they'll just keep their mouth shut about their the stuff they're wrong about <laughs> we all we can always hope right but uh <laughs> yeah that hasn't happened yet in any form so we'll no Darren, thank you. I appreciate it, and I was really, uh, I'm really thankful for the opportunity. It was great. Oh, well, definitely do it again, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you very cool. much. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 